You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our exclusive content on Odyssey and Rumble. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Anchor. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us, including YouTube. Join the conversation by leaving your comments on our Minds, Substack, Odyssey, and Rumble pages. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and at NewPrisoner6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. Now let's get on with the show. We are increasingly losing touch with a common reality, where we can all look at something and define what it is. The objective world that we live in has become so subjective that anything can be up for interpretation. Self-defense, justice, and even medicine have all been affected by this lately. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for the creative spirit that allows mankind to evolve and discover new ways of looking at things. From the Enlightenment till now, there has been plenty of progress in understanding the human condition, our behavior, and what we are ultimately meant to be. My vote is for freedom. The liberty to live the life you intend to lead without the outside interference of any government or body and with the responsibility to not impose yourself unto others. But that interpretation of our rights and the philosophy behind it can be supported by facts, history, and analysis. Our ability to reason as human beings is a tool that has to be sharpened and aimed at the right task to accomplish anything. If you spend all day staring at a banana peel, asking yourself how to get the banana back in it and sealed up properly, you are probably wasting your time. You have every right to do so, but if you're using my tax dollars to figure it out, if you're choosing to do that instead of stopping things like violent rioters if you happen to be a policeman, or if you want to force others to join in the efforts of putting the banana back in the peel, I have to object. Our modern society is such a safe and warm place for many of its inhabitants. Thanks to the sacrifices and discoveries made by previous generations, the necessity of the situations our ancestors found themselves in led to many great inventions that we all enjoy and mostly take for granted now. It's hard for me to even imagine living a life without something as simple as shoes. Imagine having no transportation and no shoes. How much would that limit what you can do in your life? But in order to produce shoes and market them to people, you first have to have a basic understanding of what a shoe is. If you market a kitchen mixer as a shoe, you might get some complaints in your inbox. Shoes have evolved and have many uses, but they are generally something you put on your feet. Without the public's basic understanding and definition of that, and a need or purpose for it, you're going to have a hard time finding buyers. Shoes can be many things. They can be collectible items. They can be art. And they can even be weapons. But if you can't decide what a shoe even is due to ignorance or confusion, they cannot be any of those things. If you cannot agree with other humans what defines something as a shoe, or that shoes even exist, then there will be plenty of people walking around barefoot. Our culture partly defines what things like shoes are. We categorize them in different sections of stores for a reason. 
things are generally easier to interpret once they are defined and categorized. This need for order allows us all to agree on a general definition and the ability to assess our need for each item. But what if our culture forbid us to organize things in that way? What if it claimed that doing so is harmful to a specific part of the population, if not us all? This absurd comparison to being able to define and interpret what is a shoe is becoming less absurd by the day if you're seeing the reactions people are having to things like the verdict of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Certain people are so confused as to what defines things like self-defense and what the laws and the books actually are, and even what actually occurred both in the incident and the trial, that if the same thing applied to their understanding of shoes, these people would be wearing them on their junk or trying to make spaghetti with them. Our media is partly to blame for this, of course, because they failed to properly educate the public as to what actually occurred and define what laws, if any, were broken that night. They never course-corrected. In fact, many drove falsehoods, like Kyle not being in legal possession of his firearm that evening. Others talked about the reason for the violent riot being about the police killing of a man who isn't dead. That man, Jacob Blake, was also in the act of stealing a car full of children from a woman whom he just digitally raped. When the facts of the matter are discarded, when misinterpretations of things are propagated and then enforced as truth, how can we ever expect to come to the rightful conclusion? I fear more and more as I research situations like this that this is by design. I am starting to believe that our media is purposely lying to us, manipulating us, to achieve what serves a greater connecting ideology with both the companies that own or influence media and the politicians who are owned or influenced by those same companies. The corporate press is the last place to look for objective information anymore. They've gotten almost every politicized major story completely wrong, if not upside down or backwards in the last few years. They are a funhouse mirror interpretation of the truth at best. Anyone relying on them to navigate today's cultural landscape shows a lack of critical thinking or ignorance that keeps their monopoly on stupid going. If they marketed shoes in the same way, people would be complaining on Twitter that their shoes came with no soup inside of them, as promised. And some would be so convinced that not only did their shoes arrive with soup inside of them, but they would brag about how delicious it was. The delusions that we are seeing reinforced by the influence of media and social media are driving people insane. Is this purposeful? Yes, I believe. Because in cultural Marxism, the ability to define something belongs only to the state. Central planning needs to have arbitrary definitions for things because it needs to change definitions to win arguments and enforce new rules. We see it with the COVID restrictions just as we've seen it in the analysis of the Rittenhouse trial. Facts don't matter anymore. All that matters is power, and the people who want it will use any psychological and emotionally manipulative tactic to get it. That's why they use the construct of race while tearing down the construct of gender. That's why they claim that science is the way forward while silencing scientists or purposely defining things like ivermectin as horse paste. Luckily, there are enough of us who can still look at something like a shoe and know that it, it's supposed to go on our feet. 
We can listen to a doctor describe how ivermectin works and decide whether or not we should take it if we become ill with COVID. The establishment in our country doesn't want us to be able to do that without their blessing. They feel it is their right and duty to tell us what we can and cannot know or believe to know. That's why we need to defy them, abolish them, strip them of their power, and throw them into the streets. If we cannot live in a world where things have an objective definition and our interpretation is subject to the will of the state or a combination of the state and corporations, then we will become completely helpless as a people. And that's exactly what these creeps want to happen. Because if you could make people helpless, you can dictate their behavior. If you can make them dependent and malleable, then you can predict the outcomes of what they engage in. Things like markets, resources, social movements, and government can all be controlled this way. It is the way of stakeholder capitalism, which is nothing more than rebranded fascism. To defeat these fascist monsters, we need a common culture and understanding of human rights. We need to organize, agree on basic principles of liberty, codify those principles into law, and enforce them, even with force, if our rights are violated. That is the purpose of self-defense, to preserve your life and liberty if it is threatened with aggressive actions. To lose that interpretation to mean anything else, like achieving racial justice, or to save the planet from global warming, will lead us into the very acts of aggression that positive liberties demand versus negative liberties. We know and have known for a long time what liberty means as patriots, that each of us has the right to think and feel as we wish, that we all have the right to defend our bodies and other property that we own. If we allow the oligarchy that has taken over our media and government to define that, then we forfeit our liberty. We can only expect absurdity or harm to come from that. After the legal victory for Kyle Rittenhouse this week, we need to move on to other victories in media, business, and government. If not, we stand to lose our connection to reality and our rights. Okay, I'm number six. This is The New Prisoners, and I'm here with John Henry. And tonight we have a big show lined up for you all because, well, tonight is going to be a bit of a celebration because Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty on all charges today. So with that, we're going to be doing a little bit of partying just based on that. But also, we don't want to get too far into the clouds here. I mean, it's nice that we can win a few whenever it comes to these types of decisions, that the courts may find things in you know, our favor, or whatever objective or rational favor that may be. But we can't let ourselves slip too much because the media and our government is already starting on spinning this into something that it's not, just like they did from the beginning. So we're going to be talking about that. We'll be talking about our good old friend Merrick Garland and how much of a lying piece of crap that he is and how he should be excused from his office, if not thrown out into the streets, which I'm a big fan of. And then lastly, we're going to be talking about 
what's been happening lately with the COVID narrative? Because there was a huge special put on by Glenn Beck this week. And in that special, Glenn uncovered a couple different things that I found interesting. There was some stuff there was mostly like a, an evening in review for for me and other nerds of, of my ilk that uh, take advantage of a lot of the resources that are out there, um, like Last American Vagabond and um, other great channels, other good resources for this type of, of news and information, which I'm, I'm really glad that Steve Dace was tied in with that because I do listen to a lot of Steve Dace. He's been great on the COVID stuff. So, but uh, tonight we're going to start out with talking about uh, the big case. Um, this has been around pretty much every channel that I, I follow or listen to today, as it should be. Um, this is a pivotal case whenever it comes to self-defense, in my opinion, but then also what it means for what the media and the government can do to the average person. Can they just outright make up falsehoods and slander you? Or will there be penalties for that? Will there be payback? Will there be some sort of repercussion to the mainstream media, people like Joy Reid, CNN? And will there be a suit against maybe even Joe Biden himself? Because whenever the president of the United States calls you a white supremacist, and I love how they used uh, this term all the time during the Trump presidency, without evidence. <laughs> so with a, with a person that not only didn't even watch the trial, um, but also somebody that you couldn't rely on to tell you what channel uh, it was on the television where he even got the news report. Like, I don't even think Biden knows how to turn his own TV on at this point. I think he's out there. Um, he's getting a colonoscopy or something like that. It was getting a colonoscopy. Hopefully, uh, they inserted all the uh, vials of future boosters that they can shove up there uh, because I'm not taking them ever. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that went well for him. There you go, buddy. But uh, I am here with John Henry. So, John Henry, do you want to say hello to everybody this evening? What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hope everybody is having an absolutely amazing Friday. I know this has been one of my favorite Fridays in a really long time. And, um, you know, when it comes to the, the Rittenhouse verdict, um, I don't believe that this was genuinely uh, Kyle Rittenhouse being tried for his actions in defending himself because it was so crystal clear throughout the entire trial, if you watched even a 10-minute portion of it, to understand that the prosecution had nothing and they were blindfolded, throwing darts at a wall, making the accusations and um, that they had no case. And it was just a complete disaster. But, you know, we knew that up front. We knew that in the beginning before any of this happened, that he should have never been tried. It was a clear and cut case uh, of self-defense. Now, that being said, to me, this trial was... The people, here's what was on the stand, the First and Second Amendment. The the First Amendment, when it comes to free speech. And um, I just want to go ahead and give everybody a fair warning. If you have kids in the room, uh, or if you are sensitive for foul language, I recommend you plug your ears right now. Because I'm going to start with this. Fuck you, Mark Zuckerberg. Fuck you, Facebook. Fuck you, Twitter. Fuck you, YouTube. And fuck you, mainstream media. Because everybody 
number one, had assumed guilt for this this kid. He was 17 years old when this happened. And the other piece of it is the amount of information that was stifled because they didn't want people to objectively look at this trial, look at the circumstances, and look at the clear-cut evidence to see that plain and simple, this young man uh, was not guilty of, now here's the false narrative, illegally crossing state lines with an illegal weapon, in that he was a white supremacist vigilante that because of playing video games went out to kill people that day. That is an absolute crock of bullshit. The entire thing was absolute bullshit and nonsense. The defamation, the attack on his character, and I got to tell you, uh, the lawsuits that I expect to see that young man, his family, his kids, grandkids, and grandkids, grandkids should never have to work a day in their life because of what he's entitled to because of that attack. Now, that being said, I'm not done yet. Fuck you, Cory Booker. Fuck you, Chris Cuomo. Fuck you, Gavin Newsom. The reason that these people spoke out and said that they're so disgusted and upset and this was an injustice, a miscarriage of justice, right, is because these people are all part of the criminal syndicate. And they want to see evil win. They want to see darkness win. That's their focus every single day. You look at Chris Cuomo. He should be held for crimes against humanity for mass murder of elderly people that he killed by putting in those assisted living facilities. When you look at what Gavin Newsom has done, he has destroyed the state of California even more than we ever thought was possible. So you're telling me that these are the people speaking out on what integrity is, what right and wrong is, and what justice is. These people are fucking monsters. And and I got to tell you, de Blasio, same thing, just as complicit, because these folks were all happy to speak out today about the injustice. Let me ask you about injustice. If we recognize the fact that the three people he shot and the guy that kicked him in the face were all convicted felons, the gentleman that held the Glock and pointed it towards his head, do you know that he was illegally carrying that firearm? If we recognize that, that the man that he killed was a multi, multi chronic serial felon that was a child rapist, are we acknowledging that? And these are the people that the prosecution said that they are heroes, right? They are victims. Let me explain something to you. When you leave your house with ill intent and your intention is to do nothing but destroy, maim, kill, you give up your ability to say that you're a victim. You made that conscious choice when you left your home and that's what you were going to do. That was your plan. You were going to incite violence and destroy private property and hurt people. And that's exactly what took place here. So when you look at the celebrities that are speaking out against this, saying that this is a, a miscarriage of, of justice, this is wrong, uh, you know, again, this this promotes a racist vigilanteism. It is an absolute crock of bullshit. And I love the fact that the jury objectively looked at the information, even though they had a tremendous amount of pressure. Speaking of, fuck you, MSNBC, for these people threatening these jurors, for somebody from that news, the, the propaganda station, to follow the van and try to identify or somehow intimidate or pressure these people. Shame on all of you. Shame on every news station out there. It absolutely makes me sick. And last but not least, I got two real big fuck yous. And I just want to preface with if you can't contain your bowels and you shit your pants, I don't want your fucking opinion on anything. So fuck you, Jerry Nadler, saying that the Department of Justice should take a look at this and possibly bring other charges into the fucking invalid imbecile in chief. Fuck you, too. Shame on you inciting anger and violence after justice was served, because that's what all these animals are doing. All these monsters. 
because they're militant group Antifa and BLM. They want to promote anger and division. They want to see these people get back out and start to burn down not only Kenosha, but every other single city in this in this beautiful, amazing country. And I've had enough of it. This whole entire thing has done nothing but piss me off. And today we won. We got the win today. OSHA announced that they're not going to be enacting any type of mandates because they can't. That's another win. Guys, this week we're winning. I got to tell you, I literally stood up off of my couch every time they said those two words, not guilty. And I fucking celebrated and screamed at the top of my lungs. And damn it, tears came to my eyes. Because to me, what that was was progress in the right direction. And no matter how much these monsters try to put us, push us in the wrong way, every time that they try to show that wrong is right and left is up and up is down, this is an example that the people will not bow to that because this is the United States of America. We have constitutional rights. We're not going to be like Austria where they're locking people in their house or now they're going to find somebody and if they can't pay the fine, they're going to be in prison because they're not vaccinated. Not here, motherfuckers. And that's what I have to tell you right now. So for everybody out there listening and everybody out there that cares, this is a huge win for our team, for our army, because they know when they see this, they're afraid. They're afraid of us in our free speech. They're afraid of us gathering together. They're afraid of our power. They're afraid of our strength. When an eight-year-old girl can have a school district turn around a mask mandate, these are the things that we're looking for and we're fighting for every single day. And at the end of the day, haven't we had enough already? Have we not had enough division and anger and hatred? Have we not had enough? You know, and, and when you look at it, this guy has abysmal ratings that are dropping by the day. I'm still trying to figure out who the morons are that are the, you know, 30 or 74 percent of people that think we're moving in the right direction. Right. Kamala Harris, she has the worst numbers, an approval rating of any vice president in history. And today, when old poopy pants McGee went and got his colonoscopy, you know, what I think is they were probably making sure, you know, that his head was still fucking just tightly lodged up in his asshole, right? That I, That's a scary thing. And when you see that, you know, genuinely, guys, we're, we're moving in the right direction. And to everybody in, in, in Hollywood, because that's what they are, is they're fucking demons from the pits of hell, that are out there preaching that this is wrong and this is an injustice. This is who you prop up. You prop up men that beat women and beat children. You prop up race, rapists, child rapists, child molesters. Shame on all of you. Turn your fucking TV off because this is revolting. But today, guys, today we showed them that here in the United States, we believe in freedom. We believe in our Constitution. And we believe in the ability to stand together. We employ the government. We do not employ them to dictate how we live our lives. We do not do that. And we have to remember that every single day. And today's a perfect example of that. So I just want to say congratulations to Kyle Rittenhouse and his family. Um, I hope that he has an absolutely amazing life. And I know it's going to be hard because you can't just come back from that type of traumatic experience at a young age and, and live a normal life. But he got the justice that he absolutely deserved. Thank God for people like him that went out to help people, you know, and, and unfortunately was put in a position when you have attackers and aggressors, right, that tried to take his life, harm him, maim him, kill him, that he had to defend himself. But that's why we have the Second Amendment. And more importantly, this is why we have the First Amendment. So, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about today uh, to open this thing up, because this is, uh, you know, it was an emotional day and it was an emotional decision. And I know everybody's been on pins and needles because we understand how important of determination this was going to be. And, and more importantly, 
I want to give credit to the strength of those jurors because in, in my opinion, they didn't take four days to decide whether or not he should be acquitted, whether or not he was guilty of the crimes. I'd be willing to bet that they took four days to have to take a deep dive into, into what their beliefs are, who they are, and more importantly, are they going to make the right decision based on the objective information that was provided and was substantiated versus are they going to bow to the woke mob? Because all of the intimidation, right, the fear for their lives, you know, the judge, that they talked about the amount of death threats and horrible threats towards him and his family. But, you know, he stayed strong and did a good job. So, yeah, I want to give credit to those people out there that, you know, even if we may not agree politically, they understood their obligation uh, as citizens of, of the greatest country in the world. And they did the right thing and they made the right decision. So we're winning, guys. And, and I know it's hard and I know it's frustrating, but we have to remember that we're winning. And we have some really good examples of that this week. So welcome to the New Prisoners podcast. We're excited to be part of your family, part of your team and part of your army. And guys, when we stand together, we can accomplish anything in this world. So welcome to the show. We have a lot of great topics and uh, happy Friday. Thank God for patriots that are out there and thank God for you people. I like when he's angry, folks. I mean, I know you're not supposed to be angry all the time. And I know that we should be celebrating certain things this evening. And we are in a sense, but... It's good to be able to channel that and get it out there, you know, just kind of put it into words. Your disgust and disdain for these horrible, horrible creatures um, that are in our government, in our media, and um, also apparently in our court system, too. How about those prosecutors, huh? What Revolting. pieces of garbage are they? Yeah. Horrible. Anybody that would horrible. refer to a child rapist and people that beat up women as heroes I mean, how do you establish that opinion? It doesn't even make any sense to me. And and I get their half-ass effort of saying the kid likes Call of Duty, so he wanted to go out there and live his dream of killing people. You know, the racist piece, none of that made any sense. That's just, that's our word we use now. That's our leverage we use for everything. Everything is racist. Everybody's racist. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Um, you know, but for, you know, to me, that that was the most disgusting piece is when they refer to these people um, not as attackers or aggressors. Um, or rioters, but he referred to them as heroes. And um, I got to tell you, you know, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse killed two monsters that were trying to take his life or hurt him. And I'll tell you this, he sure as hell also killed the, uh, the prosecutor's careers because that whole thing was just an absolute, it was a, it was a Led Zeppelin. I mean, that thing was on fire and just exploding. It, it just didn't work, man looked like the Hindenburg disaster the whole entire time. And they were just reaching, 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 reaching. So, um, you know, good for them for what they got, you know, and, and, and the thing is, I like that they were the ones that were in such a publicized case, because I got to tell you, when you look at their ineptness and their willingness um, to just do the wrong thing, I hope that they never, ever, ever practice law again, in my personal opinion, because I think about cases that could not have been publicized Let's say that this wasn't in the news and this wasn't as, as big of a case as it was. How many people otherwise would they have convicted for a, a similar situation that they were in the right? And and that just goes that they're soulless bastards, uh, just like every 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 person that I named and so many more in Hollywood and media and, and everybody that, again, you know, says that this is it's just when I hear the, the, the miscarriage of justice. 
you know, that is, it, it just, it makes me want to vomit that people would take these career criminals, violent actors, um, rioters, destroyers, haters, evil people, and try to shed a light on them as if they were positive, upstanding citizens. You know, it's like when you see drive-by shootings and, um, and, and you always hear the family come out like, my baby, my baby, my baby. He was such a good baby. He was an aspiring rap artist. Mind you, you look at the guy's record and, you know, he starts shooting people and, and robbing stores and stealing cars when he was 12 years old. You know, and they try to, again, paint this picture as if these people were somehow, you know, constructive citizens and, and contributing to that to their communities. And it's all bullshit. Right. And but it just goes back to it. I mean, everything that, that we are force fed right now is all that the, the wrong is the right. So good for the prosecutors. I'm glad that their disaster got publicized. And I, I genuinely hope that they never practice law, if anything, out of shame, because that whole thing was a joke. And last week we talked about when, um, you know, old gauge, old um, vaporizing bicep is pointing a pistol at somebody. And, you know, when they, they ask him the question a second time. So, sir, you're this is you pointing the gun at Kyle Rittenhouse's head, correct? Um, well, yeah. Okay, and he did not pick up his rifle and shoot you until you were pointing at his head. Is that correct? Uh, well, uh, sir, here's the photo of it. Is that correct? Yes, it's correct. And you watch these dipshits bury their heads in their hands. Good for them. I love seeing that. I mean, that was that was a high point of the whole entire trial because they knew it was all bullshit. But they just push the narrative, you know. And the other thing is, I've never heard as much as we have these anti-gun, anti-constitutional, anti-Second Amendment assholes talking about these the black rifles, man, the murder machines, the assault rifles, assault rifles. They said AR-15 probably 10,000 times in this trial. AR-15, 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 AR-15. Yeah, we get it, guys. Here's the thing. It's a modern sporting rifle. That's what it is. It's a semi-automatic. You also have regular hunting rifles and shotguns that are semi-automatic, which I've already given everybody the lesson on what that means. It means that uh, a you know your next round of ammunition automatically gets charged and put into the chamber where you don't have to manually uh, rack it or load it into the chamber. So you know it's they, they try to demonize everything. And uh, again, man, it just pisses me off to call this kid a racist because I got to tell you, whenever you know it, he took the stand. And when they were talking about his background, the things that this kid as a 17 year old did for his community up until that point was pretty extraordinary. And I got to tell you, in watching that and the fact that he's a lifeguard and helped the fire department and the police department and, and new CPR and was training to be an EMT and all of these things. And I'm like, well, I wasn't doing shit when I was 17. Like, where what was my priorities? Like, I, I was nowhere is is as good of a you know, a, a contributor to the community as this guy was. So if anything, it, it's shown a light on, you know, how extraordinary somebody can be at 17 years old and, and how mature they can be to want to help people and prioritize that in their life. And that's how they spend their time. So, you know, it, it's a lot of positive things. I hope that motivated a lot of young people out there and, and just went, man, like I can do more for my community. Look at everything he did. Look what his goal was. His goal was out there to provide medical aid, even to people that are pieces of shit, even to people that were destroying the community in Kenosha. He still was there to render aid to them, right? Because he was doing right, not just by the community, but by mankind, by people and by humans. So 
you know, it's um, a lot of things to take away from this whole entire thing. You know, I genuinely believe that. But, um, you know, again, it's it's really all about uh, about the win and into the the prosecutors and um, the I believe it was the district or uh, assistant district attorney. Fuck you guys, too. Might as well throw that in there. Excellent. Uh, not to make uh, too big of a correction, but I believe you meant Andrew Cuomo, not Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo is the media clown. Oh, I didn't know I used the first clown. name. I just said Cuomo. No, I'm talking about the disgraced yeah. fucking sexual harassing piece of shit. So, yes. you know, that is yeah, no Andrew longer Cuomo. in That's his role. One. Yeah. Well, actually, Chris They're Cuomo horrible, got accused of sex uh, crimes, too. So it, it's really the whole Cuomo clan can really... Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get on Bezos' spaceship and get out of town. Yeah, at any I'll point go here. ahead and I'll take but that. I, I, well, hold, I mean, if yeah. we're on it, then let me just throw this out there, folks, as a correction. Fuck Chris Cuomo, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, we, we have to make sure that, I mean, you can't, you, you can't do that with brothers. You know, you can't make them, you, you can make them feel like they're the... The, the less liked brother, you know, especially in that clan, because wasn't there a little stink about that a few years ago where somebody called him, what was that term that he called him based on the Godfather gimmick? What was that? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, what was the Chris Cuomo thing that he was accused of? Fredo. They called him Fredo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They the the dumb brother from God, yeah. uh, from the Godfather. Yeah. That's and right. the dude the dude got up in his face all about it. And then Chris Cuomo's like, I'll throw you down the stairs and stuff. It was like an it was like an old jerky boys gimmick. It was hilarious. Well, speaking of that, asshole, I loved it. And this is not this week's topic, but it was kind of nice to yeah. see Bill Maher kind of go at him on the CRT thing and call him oh, out yeah. on it. You know, and again, Bill Maher, who's a pretty liberal guy and, and very vocal, it was uh, it's nice to see that. And then, um, you know, I mean, so we were talking about the win and I don't want to get off on a tangent here. But, you know, I also saw that there was a Texas Democrat that flipped the Republican. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's been a pretty crazy couple weeks. And I know we had a lot of weeks there where. Things were looking pretty damn scary and uh, we were going in the wrong direction on a lot of things. But I got to tell you, ever since the um, the elections and seeing what took place there in Virginia, I feel like we've had some pretty freaking awesome couple weeks, man. I feel pretty good about things right now. Um, the OSHA announcement, the Fifth Circuit Court denying the mandate again. Uh, to me, there's some positive things. So that's for sure. Um, now the trillions of dollars we're going to spend on horseshit, not too excited about that. Uh, the whole, you know, the debt ceiling issue, pretty scary, but outside of that, pretty crazy. Speaking of, I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm kind of in the mood to flow right now. So, um, Mm -hmm. I love X 22. I've shared that many, many times. I think Dave is just freaking on it. 25th amendment, right? So Trump's talking about the Trump card. Trump keeps referencing um, in his statements, you know, one year, it's been one year. And obviously, as we mentioned earlier tonight, that Biden was in for his colonoscopy as part of his um, medical exam, right? So I just want to throw this out there because it's fucking terrifying. So what happens is if they execute the 25th amendment and pull him out, Kamala becomes sitting president and do you know who VP will be? Uh, would that be Nancy the, Pelosi? The Crip Creeper herself, Nancy oh. Pelosi. 
Is there a much more terrifying proposition when it comes to leaders of the free world than the uh, the old cackling hen and the crypt keeper? Uh, I mean, it is like that's some scary stuff, man. Oh, I can't wait to see the futurist female posters with those two faces on them. Ugh, that's gross. not going to make me want to exorcist like projectile vomit at the grocery store when I see it. So here's what's interesting. <laughs> the other thing he mentioned was, you know, Nancy Pelosi has referenced retirement, right? So here's here's there's one step even worse that it can go. So Nancy Pelosi can make a determination she doesn't want the position and then the shoe-in, allegedly right now, speculation, would be Hillary Clinton. Could you imagine a Kamala Harris, Hillary Clinton, president and VP? I don't know what type of pharmaceutical grade. Um, how do I put this? Medication herbal medication that I would need in order to get through the rest of that presidency, however long it would last. And hopefully it wouldn't last very long. Hopefully just until 2024 or something like that. And we can just be done with all this. I'd prefer the military coup to be honest with you. Yeah. When you're, when you're talking about like living under a military dictatorship versus what, that presidency would offer i mean i guess you have to you gotta you gotta weigh the pluses and minuses on that right <laughs> we wouldn't be doing our due diligence like ben franklin would be ashamed of us if we didn't draw up a little chart of just like okay well it's a downside that they would want to put us in camps on the one and it's a downside that if we get out of line that they'll probably shoot us on both but <laughs> who's more likely to do it i, I I don't even know where you start to be like to draw that. So like the people that we have in the military now, and at least that we've seen as of late too, in, in the leadership positions, they're just as awful as some of these politicians that are trotted out in front of us all the time. Like some of these military guys that have been forced to testify lately because of the utter failure in Afghanistan oh, yeah. and the war crimes that, that, that happened there that, you know, just nobody is ever going to be held to account for. And then you, you know, have the, the good boys didn't do nothing in his relationship with China. Oh, oh, almost oh, forgot yeah. one. Fuck you, Eric Swalwell. My apologies. Yeah. Yep. Fuck him. I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up a good a hard bastard calls him Mongoloid Ken, which I think is fantastic, <laughs> and the memes that he has of him. Uh, I'm not gonna even get to get into to descriptions because I don't even know what kind of level of band that would put us in. But I'll, I'll just let you folks go to his channel and maybe check that out. Just beware, like that's not one you you, you introduce to the kids really. That that's that's a special type of uh, type of programming there with from the hard bastard, but. I, for me, like the, the military stuff, like, I don't know as much about these guys as I do about the other cast of characters, like I mentioned, but just seeing how the military has treated our servicemen when it comes to this vax mandate. And then also, uh, speaking of which, another good little win this week, in my opinion, at least, is that you got to see a state itself stand up to this with their, um, whatchamacallit, National Guard, Oklahoma National Guard, I believe it was. I don't have the story in front of me, 
But I do believe the Oklahoma National Guard just said, hey, we're not doing this to our service members. We're not doing this to our citizens. So they did. Uh, you're yeah. just going to have to. They absolutely did. But I'm going to mm. I'll, I'll poke around here while you're kind of getting the next piece of it. I believe yeah. that somebody said that they can make them do it. Some government entity. So let me uh, I'll take a peek at that as we go through the show today. Yeah. But uh, just to just to go uh, the fall back a little bit too, uh, just to talk about something that you had brought up while you were um, venting to our audience so eloquently, is that we do exist in a world right now where everything has been politicized and then gamified so much that it reflects in pretty much every bit of the opposition that we find along the way. So whether it be, you know, stupid football head Joy Reid on MSNBC or Nicole Wallace, who wants us own, uh, who wants us all to be uh, drone striked to death. She's a real peach. Or it be like just some fat prosecutor like Lunchbox here uh, from the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. They, there's no honesty there. They never have to present anything really. I mean, then the stuff that they they do present isn't worthy of even being considered to be objective evidence, too. Speaking like the of types of, and I'm not going to just rip all night. It's okay, you can. That's the why we do this. <laughs> FBI drone footage, you know, that became a big point of contention there at the end of the trial. And in my personal belief, I believe that the judge absolutely could have called for a mistrial with prejudice. But I want to commend him for not doing that because I believe, and this is pure speculation on my part, that he knew that Kyle Rittenhouse deserved to be acquitted and would be acquitted. And that's why he did not, because multiple instances throughout the trial, um, there were some very egregious and gross mistakes made by the prosecution that he 100%, um, and I read a lot of lawyers talking about it, that he certainly could have called a mistrial with prejudice, which means that with prejudice, they cannot bring any charges again. They cannot retry him on that. So I just want to commend him for that and not calling for the mistrial that he certainly could have called because he knew that Kyle Rittenhouse would be acquitted. Well, yeah, that's why I attached a lot of this stuff um, from these Twitter threads, uh, one being from a person called Election Wizard. Cool little icon, too. It's like a little wizard guy um, up there on his Twitter. But uh, the reason why I wanted to attach that thread, though, is that it showed the cropped footage that was apparently taken from the Tucker Carlson episode. And then the story is, is that they had these files, right? And like I'd originally heard, and I attached uh, an article to last week's source list of it, of somebody claiming that the FBI told the court basically that they had lost the high definition version of this video, a, a drone video that they had. So there's a couple different stories out there about it. I would like to get to the bottom of this where, you know, say that there's some sort of, if there is some sort of federal investigation, it really should be into the prosecution and the FBI itself. Like I, I would champion for there to be like an IG and like an internal investigations uh, of the communications and maybe FOIA as much as we possibly can of this. Uh, Tom Fitton, if you're out there, <laughs> get get on your FOIA machine that you just 
Tom Fitton just has to have an app on his phone at this point where he hears about some shit and then he just goes on his phone and then hits FOIA request because <laughs> the they the legal watch they uh, and the stuff that they get though it's incredible and I will say uh, Dell Big Tree's um, organization ICANN has also been very good with that they very very good with getting uh, admissions from the CDC. Like the fact that they don't have a single case on file of a person with natural immunity getting COVID and spreading it to anybody like ever, Imagine like that. no cases mm-hmm. and they can find cases where kids get it and die, but they, they could barely prove that even, but they, they don't even have one of somebody with natural immunity getting it and spreading it. So, wow, that's falling apart pretty fast there, but uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. That's that's for a later segment here. I'm, I'm jumping all around now. I'm, just, so, I'm excited. Um, real quick from the Hill. <laughs> uh, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about tonight. Oklahoma yeah. National Guard troops will not be allowed to avoid the military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate, the Pentagon says, but it is unclear who will hold them, hold them accountable to the role and what punishments, if any, will be handed down. So I do commend... Uh, the state of Oklahoma for saying that they don't have to do that and they won't do that. And I certainly hope they stick to their guns because, you know, what's what is the new wing of that regime going to be? Right. What, what is their new army going to be that they're going to hold people accountable for this? Because now we know they can't utilize OSHA, uh, which is great news. So um, well, that sort of enca- <laughs> encapsulates everything that I wanted to talk about this evening in a sense, though. I didn't really prepare anything about that story at all. And then just through stream of consciousness, it comes about. But really to tie it all into the stuff that I wanted to talk about tonight with you, John Henry, is that you know, right now we are in uh, in the midst of uh, a different type of warfare, I believe. You know, uh, you can some people just call it a culture war. Some people call it, you know, fourth generation, fifth generation warfare. There's all kinds of fancy terms for it. Uh, it's been known to be an info war, you know, for many years too. <laughs> so, and, uh, but I, what I'm seeing though, is By the that, way, you know, and, side note, speaking oh, of info yeah. war, I highly yeah. recommend you go watch the Timcast IRL. <laughs> with, oh, I did. Um, Rogan popped into there. Um, what an episode, huh? How wild was uh, that? Over well over a million views, I believe. Excellent. And for somebody of Tim Pool's caliber, which I, I rank him pretty high as far as like a cultural impact for independent creators, uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he's my favorite in any category. Mm-hmm. I do believe that Tim was very fair minded yeah. uh, this time around. He he didn't try and lean into the center too much on his opinions on this. He was genuinely, I believe, outraged at what was being done to Cal Rittenhouse. When, I, I mean, when like, you have Michael Malice, mm-hmm. Alex Jones, Rogan, oh, yeah. I mean, and they're all in a RV or a trailer. That was a, that was a wild podcast, man. That was a good one. I stand by my words. Michael Malice is a treasure. Absolutely. Agree. He is just, I, I, I appreciate him more and more every time that he goes on those, because especially when he goes on those types of shows, like it's one thing to take a person that's a great personality and just stick them in a room with people that agree with everything that they say. Like you can only get so much out of them, but I think where malice really shines and just like, maybe it's in a name folks, but when you put him in a, in a a group setting like that, 
where he has some opposition and you just get to see his face straighten out. Like he usually has like that shit eating grin on and he seems like a pretty like easygoing fella. But then like when somebody does throw up an intellectual challenge and then he gets that serious look on his face, I get excited because I'm like, he's going to come up with something brilliant here. And he and he typically performs. Um, and, and then that's it. Uh, the people that are on our side of the aisle are so diverse. They could be anyone from like a Tim Pool to a Luke Rudkowski to a Michael Malice, and they can all sit around a table and converse with one another. You're not going to see Nicole Wallace or Joy Reid at that table with them anytime soon. The other smoking Joe or, you know, Joe Scarborough, whatever his name is. Um, you know, the, the strangler guy, guy that killed his intern, or whatever, you know, those, those types of people that they're not going to be there, um, in those types of conversations. And in, in this type of separation with communications, when it comes to like warfare, where we do, we don't talk to the other side. Well, I, I feel that our side pretty much, and we talked about this a little bit last episode too, is that our side is mainly debating the other side without the other side being involved. Like most of the content that I imbibe anymore is just like, can you believe that MSNBC said this? Well, of course I can at this point. You know, the the level of outrage and like the the me hurtling shame at them and other things like that and calling Nicole Wallace like a useless piece of garbage. Like, you yeah, know, the, once the drone strike me. I had a thought today. What's that? Yeah. Because Teflon Don, he loves the failure in MSNBC. CNN. Yes. Nobody watches those stations anymore. Nobody watches them. So do you think that big dog Trump master flex waits until the ratings are driven so low and they end up selling off for cheap that he uses truth social to buy MSM embassy or CNN? I would pass on that only for this one reason. Because the parent company that owns NBC is such an evil globalist corporation and they have so much riding on their relationship with China <laughs> that I don't think they would possibly give up that piece of real estate to, the, to their China, ideological enemy. I'm all over the place tonight. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're celebrating Speaking tonight. Speaking of China. This is, it's a party. <laughs> poopy pants in chief. Shuts down the Keystone Pipeline, is looking at shutting down a second pipeline. We have historic high oil and gas prices. And that weak, spineless amoeba has the audacity to ask Xi Jinping to produce more oil for the United States. Folks. We talk so frequently about how Joe Biden is a Chinese puppet, but are you kidding me? Is this not blatant and glaring enough? Why in the world would we shut down our own oil pipelines under the guise of the Green New Deal and reducing our carbon footprint and then ask the country that produces more carbon than most countries combined in the world to produce more oil for us. The hypocrisy is astounding at this point. Like I, it, it, to me, it's like, it's all fake. It's like, I'm watching 
fucking Roger Rabbit, right? In the dip. And like, you look at them, like stretch people out and run people over with, um, you know, with a paver and a bulldozer. And then they just like peel them off the ground and pop them out again. Like to me, reality is exactly the same as that. To see the fact that we shut down the Keystone Pipeline, we lose 36,000 jobs here in the United States, we have record high oil, oil prices, and we ask the company that destroys the environment, or country rather, that destroys the environment more so than any other industrialized company in the world to go ahead and produce more oil so we can buy it from them. Um I it, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw, you know how they do the video, the colonoscopies, that you would see Biden's head and then um, a, oh, I, I want to I keep this appropriate. We'll just go with um, Chinese flesh-toned hand next to an African-American hand with Obama and Xi Jinping's hands up that puppet's asshole. Like, I'm sure that's what that video would show. It'd probably be pretty wild. I'd like to watch that. He should put that on OnlyFans. I'd pay five bucks for that. <laughs> See, there's so much I could do with that kind of material, but we're, we're just going to have to label this hub. one. Pornhub. It says, <laughs> Invalid fucks the world. <laughs> oh, man. You know, like, uh, so on, on just because we're on that topic, um, shout out to... Ted Cruz. That's a weird segue into this, I know, but shout out to Ted Cruz this week also. As for we do trying have to a show outline, accountable. I just want you to know that I am completely blowing it right now. <laughs> so it's okay. It's you okay. gotta go with Cal, your gut, man. There's a lot going on. Cal's right now, not guilty on all five counts. Uh, we, we are partying tonight, folks. So we are, right. we are excited. Uh, we don't need no uh, show format. We're just going to entertain you folks with our banter. And, um, you know, but no, the, I wanted to shout out Ted Cruz because he took it to Mayorkas this week about calling in, uh, the, calling in the Biden Obama cages, because if mm -hmm. you want to go back and you want to hold people accountable, uh, they tried to pin the children migrants, if you want to call them that, that have been brought here and dumped off by coyotes and we pick them up and can't verify, uh, whom they belong to or where they, where they belong and we're holding them in the meantime. Now, I don't know if you ever dealt with like children before, but they don't always listen to you when you tell them stuff. Like, so if you're just going to put them in an office and be like, hey, kid, sit there and don't do anything or touch anything, are you, are you really going to rely on like thousands of kids to all behave themselves? Like, you, you have to have some type of storage facility for them, right? But what happened during the Trump presidency was, is that because they wanted to pin everything negative emotionally, and this goes into the whole politifying and gamifying uh, of everything nowadays, whether it be from trial evidence, like, you know, drone footage, or it be, you know, all, all the different character attacks, all the, all the same type of you know, hypocrisy that you mentioned before, too. Like whenever it came to them talking about this, this going back to the trial real quick, like whenever it, the prosecutors in the trial were talking about uh, Rosenbaum and his use of the N word. And I, I, I love the hypocrisy of the prosecutor prosecutor going, he said the N word. Like I want to, I want to mix that with uh, Biden calling Satchel Page a, 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 the great Negro. If we can get that. 
uh, and put that all together. Uh, just to put, play those two type of clips back to back is like, this is where we're at. This is what hypocrisy looks like is that where if you, if you say one thing one way and, it, and you're on this side of the aisle, it's a okay. But if you're on the other side of the aisle, it's not okay. And when we're having, we're having this debate now of what's okay to be said when meanwhile, the, the semantical arguments that we get wrapped up in or what gets us to this point. It's because we don't lay down boundaries ever. Uh, that's one thing that I, I wanted to bring up in tonight's broadcast, like it, it applies to all the different topics, is that we have to put down boundaries. And Ted Cruz, going back to what I was saying before, kind of did that this week. Now, I know that he's good for sound bites. Hopefully we get some good legislation out of him or something like coming up here, right? But I, I liked being able to uh, see the hypocrisy of Mayorkas and the Biden administration's immigration policies being pointed out there when it was pointed out, and rightly so, by Ted Cruz, that these are the Obama cages and now they're the Biden cages. Like if you're going to pin it on a president uh, by holding them to, to some sort of account for where the children are kept, it, meanwhile, it wasn't their plan or idea well, then we're going to do that to your candidate. Is too. that why it, Kamala Tawala, Kamala, mm -hmm. neither her or Biden has actually went and visited those facilities? Oh, because it's yeah, our dirty the photo little op secret. is terrible. It's our skeleton in the closet, right? Yeah, the, the, it's such a terrible photo op for them, you know, because the, they're contributing to it with their rhetoric and then with their actions, too. I mean, we're, we're talking about they're, they're flying these kids all around the United States and delivering them to God knows who. They say it's delivering to them to their parents. Mm -hmm. Like, really, can we trust these people enough with that anymore? Like after the Ashley Biden diary drops, like, can we can we trust that Joe Biden's really flying kids to their parents or is he flying them into the hands of people like him? No, now they're <laughs> because they're they made the announcement that their parents will no longer have to provide documentation or social security numbers to receive the child credits, tax credits. So of course not. No, we don't know. We have no idea. Doesn't matter wow. what it is. And hell, now you can start making kids up now that we um you know, haven't heard a whole lot about that 450,000. Uh, for the immigrant families that were affected by their kids being separated. Um, speaking of shout outs, I got one. I want to shout out Senator Kennedy. What's up, dog? Gotta tell you, oh, his, uh, his conversation with Saul Amarova, which we have talked about before, whoo, <laughs> brought the heat, baby, brought the heat. Said, I don't know if I should call you doctor or comrade. Love it. That's what I'm talking about. Call it out, guys. I mean, we got some great people, you know, as you mentioned, Cruz, Rand Paul, Jim Jordan, Senator Kennedy. I'd love seeing that stuff. Um, you know, the, the, are you, she looks are you, like a Pixar character. It's so strange. She, she like doesn't look head. real. Yeah. Yeah. What's that movie? What's that with the helmet? Up, the what? guy has a square head. That's what she looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That he, the, the, he had a, um, an inner, in a relational relationship with uh, a woman of some type of Asian heritage and that's their child. So I love it. You know, calling her out, man. Yeah, so were you not a member of, uh, so let's see here. She wrote her paper on, was it Lenin's, um, financial policies, called her out on that, called on the fact that she was a member of the young communist group. Uh, I can't remember the exact name. 
and um, you know said, did, did you ever do a resignation letter to that? Or are you still in that group? Sir, I'm not a communist. Liar. Liar. I love it, man. When he said, I don't know if I should call you doctor or comrade, I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, hell yeah. That's what I, I, I Sir, I'm not a communist. Stuff, man. They're like these little nuggets. They're like these little fuel for life nuggets, man. You know, it's like waking up in the morning and pounding an energy drink. Like you just start to get all wacky. I, when I see that stuff, that's me, man. I'm like, whoa, I'm so fired up. So good for him. So shout out. It would be Senator great Kennedy. to cut up Hell with Senator Kennedy sometime. I, I think uh, he, he really has the banter down well. I, I think he could drop some funny lines for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and hey, that, that's one part of it. Like the part of the culture war is, is that we have to be able to defeat not only their ideas, and Eric July talked a lot about this this week, too, is that being the smartest man in the room and having all the objective evidence on our side isn't enough with these with these people. And we, we have to realize that they don't they don't fight fair. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you outpointed me on this round or something like. No, <laughs> they will cheat. They, they will they will put their thumb in your eye and they don't care that <laughs> you cannot trust them. You cannot turn your back on them. You cannot give them an inch because they'll take a mile and every other stupid cliche that I can come up with about, you know, letting your enemy get one over on you because they will use it. Every single thing, including the kitchen sink, they will use it. Um, They will disparage you. So with the Rittenhouse trial, for instance, like just getting back to that, whenever the media targets somebody, like you see them do a couple different things, you see them do misattribution. So if you go ahead and do something like if I if I go to the grocery store and they want to do a story on me and they got me coming out of the grocery store and I unload all all the uh, items from my buggy and I leave my buggy somewhere in the middle of the parking lot and I don't put it back in the car corral like a civilized human being. Folks, I'd like to clarify something right now um, where we come from. We refer to a shopping cart as a buggy. So for those Uh-oh. of you that are wondering yep. what in the hell he's talking about right now, <laughs> that, that is what he's referring to. That would be the a regional dialect. Cart, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> shopping cart. Okay. So now I did call it a car corral though, because I don't, I don't think anybody, anybody around calls it a buggy corral. Maybe they do. I'll have to take a survey on that. <laughs> but so say that I don't put my cart back. And they run a news story on this because I I did create some sort of social faux pas by not putting it back in its proper place. Now, if the news just wanted to simply report it objectively and say, hey, this guy didn't return his cart to the proper place. He he did something that was bad that affects us all because it could, you know, his his cart could have gotten blown by the wind and ended up in traffic and people could have died like you know that that would have been speculative but still somewhat fair i can accept that yeah i could say somebody looking at what action had occurred maybe what could have happened you know what what the factors of the situation were you know taking into account like what store it was what kind of people that shop at that store is there problems at that store what's going on with that neighborhood why aren't people putting their carts back i can put up with all of that what i can't put up with is somebody trying to read my intentions or motivations it read my internal like the inner workings of my mind and attributing things 
uh, to it. So I didn't put the cart back because I'm a racist. I didn't put the cart back because I'm a domestic terrorist. And that's what the media does right now. Like that, they just look at their opposition and, and just attempt to smear them with labels like that. So other people on their side, mainly uh, hear those labels and then it's called labeling theory. We, we talked about this too in previous episodes, but they hear these labels and then they know to stay away. They know that this guy, I can't have anything to do with him because he's a this. And the media called him this and that's all that they hear. And then that's what they stick to. That That's, that's their story. They're sticking to it after that. Is that, you know, they heard that one time that such and such is a white supremacist. And therefore, if you listen to him, you're also probably a white supremacist or you're sympathetic to white supremacists. Now, the person that they're, they're, they're talking about could also be black. <laughs> you know, as we found out with Winston Sears and other recent news stories lately about this. But, Larry you know, Elder, that's a thing. Black, white supremacist. It yeah, they don't have to make their arguments don't have to make sense. They just have to w- win. That's all that they're about. It's it's not about doing it graciously or or doing it within the rule book or anything like that or you know just being fair to even their own people. They will throw their own under the bus. We see it happen all the time. Um if you're not authentic enough, if you're not completely in, you know, with the cult and we talked about this a little bit, I think, before the broadcast, is that this is like a, a crazy hale-bop worshiping Heaven's Gate type of cult that we're dealing with in, in mentality. It was just like that anything outside of their sphere, they're not allowed to they're not allowed to mess with it. You know, Hard Bastard talks about the Jehovah's Witnesses because he was a member for a long time and then escaped. And, you know, you listen to like Leah Remini, uh, who got out of Scientology. And you listen to people that have gotten out of those situations, the way they talk about what those places were like when it comes to the the media that they were allowed to imbibe, um, the things they were allowed to talk about, things that they were basically allowed to think about, folks. And when we work within the left's framework of trying to make sense of their arguments, when we work within the framework of just how do we how do we fight back against being called this or called that, they're never going to stop. They're never going to let that up. Because it, like we talked about last week too, is that for every lie that we try and disprove that they throw out there, that's months and months worth of like investigation and research and FOIA requests and, and, and lab tests and everything else under the sun just to try and prove them wrong. And by the time we do that, it's 18,000 lies later they could come up with to just keep spinning them and spinning them over and over again. So we're in a situation now where we're, we're seeing because of the media's malfeasance and because of malfeasance in our government that there's going to be plenty of people out there this weekend, all this weekend, still making the same stupid claims that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist, that he went out to shoot people. He went out with the intent to shoot people. So they read, they just look at the, their victim and then they just project onto their victim whatever type of nasty label they can place on them in order to get their cult followers to just point to them and re as loud in unison as they're supposed to. And that's it. That that's how that's how they operate as a group, at least in my opinion. 
because I mean, they don't look at anything objectively. They don't accept facts when you show them facts. Um, they are locked within or the, the, and isolated within their own social group and influences. And then whenever something like this happens, they break. And you can call it priming, uh, which is a concept where, you know, they, they sort of, and, and it was funny. It was so funny today because I listened to a little bit of uh, what Nicole Wallace had to say about the Kyle Rittenhouse and, and tried to say that this is conservatives priming their audience uh, to do more domestic terrorism and to, um, you know, take in more, they're calling it vigilante justice. Yeah. yeah like they're calling Kyle Rittenhouse race, a vigilante. driven vigilante extremism is what that's yeah. promoting and giving everybody the green light to do. And they'll just call everybody that they'll just call anybody that where just like, you could just be sitting in your house and six people of a different race can break into your home and if you aired out all six and saved yourself and your family from whatever type of victimization that was about to occur there, that they will just label you as that. And then everybody that sees that label on you automatically knows what your intent was. I got news for you. These are the same people that are making the efforts to defund the police departments. If there was significant police presence and or National Guard presence in these places, it would have never happened. We would have never gotten to the point but instead, you have places like in Portland where the mayor and the or the, the governor are actually promoting that type of behavior. And what happens? Bad things happen. People get murdered. People get assaulted. Women get raped. Bad things come out of that. And they're the ones that endorsed and condoned and allowed the whole entire thing. So the hypocrisy is complete insanity. Defund the police. Oh, man, it, the things that happened because there wasn't enough police, there were really bad. And, and that guy is a racist and a vigilante to defend yourself is not vigilanteism. That's not what it is. It is exactly what the word is, which is defending yourself. He tried to run away from his attackers. He wasn't running around. How, do you know how many people he could have killed if he chose to kill people? You know, he, he had the ability to do that. He could have went around, who knows how many mags of, you know, ammunition he had. But at the end of the day, when you look at horrific mass shootings, he certainly had the capacity to go and kill a lot of people if that was his goal. But instead, he was trying to render aid, screaming friendly, friendly, friendly. And then when other people were aggressors and attackers and came after him and threatened his, you know, uh, bodily harm and death, he defended himself. That's not vigilanteism. It's not what that is. Well, who do vigilantes go after? Is my question to the person trying to label Kyle Rittenhouse as a vigilante. Who do they go after? From what do I they, understand, the vigilantes, bad people. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bad people. Like, so it, it, it's it, is that a tacit admission that you know the the people that Kyle was defending himself against there were in the wrong in what they were doing at some point. Cause I, I heard they were, they were just flexing their constitutional rights. I love how they try and use our beloved constitution against us when it comes to this argument too. Like these people out there lighting dumpsters on fire and fire and hurtling them into a gas station. <laughs> and the person that put out the fire is the one they want to hang. This is our opposition folks. So, I mean, there are there are some people like Bill Maher. I'm glad you brought him up. There's some people like Bill Maher because, and I, I was thinking about this. I, I, was, I was rage cleaning uh, today. And I don't know if you folks have ever tried this. And I highly recommend it for everybody out there is that, you know, when you're in a mood 
and you're really pissed off to just do something cathartic and clean something. And it, it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of get your thoughts together and, you know, figure out what you're going to do about the situation or what you want to say about it or whatever it might be. And for me, I was, I was rage cleaning today and I was thinking about this, you know, segment that happened with Bill Maher this past weekend and how Bill Maher seems to be coming around on a lot of different things as of late. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why is this? And I think it's because whenever I was growing up, I always understood the differences between the left and the right as is that where the right was a little bit more old school in their approach, they relied upon religion a lot and just like a, a, a form of collectivism that was really fond of itself and its country. And the left was the more scientific versus the religious type. So the left seemed to be the type whenever I was growing up is that the left had a need for verification. Like they, they wanted to prove themselves. They wanted to prove that their theories or their, uh, about spending or their theories about your know, great society programs, social nets, uh, getting things like universal healthcare and others. Like they want to prove, they want, they want, they want to show you. Even with the global warming stuff, they, 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 they struggle with it, but they still, they want to show you something. So there is like a scientific element backing a lot of their ideology. Um, a lot of it's based in secular humanism, which I, I believe that Bill Maher would fall along the lines of somewhat. You know, I hate to throw around those labels without the person here to identify with it or not. But, you know, say that Bill Maher fashions himself as what many would consider to be a secular humanist. And I believe he has referred to himself as of the, as, as something like that. But for Bill Maher, uh, for somebody his age and for someone along the lines of his political ideology, I'd say that a lot of this has to be confusing because it isn't scientific like the things that he's being presented with are barely theories that hold together for anything longer than a five minute conversation. You can break it down and just be like, well, that's, that's complete and total horseshit. And I, I think that the, the racist stuff finally is something where he could, because that, that the left just owns race at this point, right? Like they, they, their whole entire political platform from A to Z is everything involving race. And for someone like Bill Maher, who's, you know, an older white guy at this point and on their side, he's got to be looking around like, okay, so when do they pull the knives out for me? Because that's what it's really like. The rhetoric is really going towards. It's just like, okay, well, you know, we've, we've had enough of these white people in these companies. So we're just going to replace them in Goldman Sachs with a bunch of minorities. And that just fixes it. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that's a theory, right? I mean, I guess Goldman Sachs can try that, but when you try and scale it up to an entire nation, what are you going to get there? And is there going to be people suffering from that? And uh, Vincent James from the Red Elephants talks about this subject a lot, and he did an excellent, excellent video about just white people needing to wake up. And that might be an uncomfortable phrase for people to hear, especially white people these days is that they don't want to be lumped into a group 
to even be called a white person because of the stigma attached to even talking about it, of talking about being white in any other way besides in a groveling manner to the the legion of the left. Uh, and, you know, for me, I, I, I get to look at something like that video and just really understand that what Vincent James, what I believe he's trying to say is, is that if you're going to be lumped into any group, you only have so much choice in that. Like I was born looking a certain way, folks. There's not much I could do to change it. Um, well, depending on how much, you know, you know, surgery I wanted to go through, maybe I could be anything these days, who knows, right? But, you know, for myself, I mean, I, I was born looking this way. I'm probably going to die looking somewhat like this. Um, probably a lot more wrinkly, but you know, there's, um, or hopefully, but there, there's just something about your own identity that you don't get to control past a certain point. Like you get to control how you feel about yourself and you get to, you know, sort of manipulate how people feel about you around you. But outside of your sphere of influence, how somebody categorizes you or looks at you, you really don't have a choice in the matter. So if someone's just going to target you based on what you look like, you don't have to have, you don't have to have any say in that. And that's one of the things about, you know, the, the reason why I always circle back to human rights is because that's something that's universal. It doesn't matter to me if you're black or Mexican or Asian or trans or any type of group. You apply those singular human rights to everybody. You don't take those away. And what keeps them there, and we talk about this a lot on The New Prisoners because we, we are very thankful for the, the framework that's been given to us here in our, in our nation, and one of those things being our constitution, is that for, for anyone on this planet, a basic human right is being able to think as you want to think, to say what you need to say, to speak the truth if it needs spoken, but then also the second part, you know, of our Bill of Rights there, that that Second Amendment part that's been under attack during this Kyle Rittenhouse trial too. And what is the the future, uh, I believe, platform for the Democrats as well uh, to try and get the rest of us that haven't taken a vaccine yet or, you know, just don't want to obey any type of ruthless order being given to us or don't want to put up with any of this climate bullshit that they're trying to push now too. Uh, anywhere in the future, if there's if there's riots over food, who knows? Who knows where inflation and gas prices and all this stuff could lead to, folks? But if you can rise up against it with arms, they're not going to be too happy about that. So they're going to try and do something about it first. And I really think that you know, for the attack, I'm, I'm looking at a picture here, Steven Crowder holding an AR-15. So shout out to him for doing an awesome job with the Rittenhouse case too. But we have to put up boundaries. And one of those you know boundaries that you put up with somebody is that if they're trying to take advantage of you or even victimize you, is that you can verbally warn them, right? Like I had a conversation like this um, with a guy on Instagram called uh, Grassroots Guillotine. I really like a lot of the stuff he posts. Uh, very, very along the lines of my sense of humor and wh what I like to see. But um, he might that might be a great guest to have on the show too. I'd like to pick 
pick that person's brain. But the the idea though is that when you give the verbal warning, well, what if they don't listen to the verbal warning? What if they don't take no for an answer when they want to shove something in your veins? What if they don't take no for an answer when it comes to those people in, in Oklahoma? Like you signed up for the uh, for the National Guard. Are you just going to let them force vaccinate you? Or are you going to the brig like Lieutenant Colonel Scheller did? Like he stood up for what he believed in and he went to the brig. But the second one is, is that, well, you have to lay some kind of boundary, right? And if the verbal boundary gets passed, then there has to be a physical boundary to it too. And we're in a place in this country where we have a media and people in government trying to stir up a race war. Like they're going full on helter skelter on MSNBC. And I don't know if it's because of their parent company's relationship with China I don't know if it's just because they're being indoctrinated now, like the Project Veritas video that came out this week about uh, newsrooms being indoctrinated with this CRT therapy. <laughs> like, why are we doing this to our people? I mean, what what good? I mean, I want I want to know. Like, do they ever even allude to the fact of what the end game is with the equity? That's what I want to hear from some of these people. Like what is what is the ultimate end game for the for the equity uh, experiment that we're going to arrive at? There's just going to be some sort of utopia. Like, do they even know? No, it's Have the exact opposite. It? It's not utopia. It's it's division. It's yeah, two separate classes of people. I mean, it's a, yeah. you, with the, the race card and the CRT. I mean, that's what the indoctrination is of these kids right now. Is they want. White people to hate themselves. They want African Americans to feel like they're owed and entitled and that they should also hate white people. And it's all about division. It's not about unity. I mean, we live, we're back in the world of segregation. So it's layers of segregation. You know, we have the vaccinated, unvaccinated, um, and privileged, entitled, horrific, terrible white people and black people that have been victimized that shouldn't work hard and you know don't have an opportunity to succeed in life which we've talked about that many times in in prior episodes so that's the end game there's no about how much of a fallacy that is right it's all you know, bullshit they, it, yeah what they tell people all the time you know what they all tell the professional the athletes out there crying about how you know suppressed they are and how they're victims meanwhile they're being paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play a sport because of their athleticism and their talent i mean in the united states you can accomplish anything you want live somewhere like india you want to talk about being suppressed where you're born into a specific class and you will never escape that and neither will your children or your children's children that's reality that's actual class um, you know, China, people that live in poverty, North Korea, you know, all these places, that's a reality in a lot of places in this world where you don't choose whether or not you get an education. You don't choose what you're going to be when you grow up. There's many parts of this planet that that is not even a consideration. It is, this is what you're born into. This is who you are and what you're going to be. Mind you, there's still tons of countries around the world where people are also born into slavery still. Every day. That's a fact. Fact. 
So what yep. is the motivation? No, it's Many not. thanks to the Obama regime change wars, too. Yeah, there's slavery in Yemen because we went over yes, there, there and is. toppled uh, their little dictator. And it's that's not going right. so well right now. It is absolutely <laughs> right. So, you know, you, even Gaddafi, I mean, that whole thing, which I'm not saying he's a good guy by any means, but you look at the recourse of what happens in these countries when we meddle in other people's business. You know, there's the, once there's a vacuum, then something is filled. We talked about it with removing police, right? And it's kind of like gangs. Well, you take out one kingpin, it's not like the gang goes away and the crime subsides and somebody else steps in. And typically it becomes even more violent and more deadly because now you have multiple entities competing to fill that power uh, vacuum that was created. So there is no utopia because they never talk about that part, right? They never say... We're, we're teaching critical race theory because here's our goal. Our objective with it is to achieve this. It's not peace and unity or an understanding of the, the history of what black folks or African-Americans went through within our country. It's, it's just it's the brand new segregation. It's new and improved. All they do is relabel everything. Everything is cyclical, you know, and when you look back at who, you know, who perpetuated that in the first place? Well, that was a Democratic Party. Those are the people that supported the KKK, the same people now that are saying we're doing this to be supportive of black communities are the same leaders that continue to suppress people that live in poverty stricken areas or urban areas. They're, they, you know, they want people on government assistance because it's about control and it's about power. There's no positive outcome to this. There's no overarching goal of what it's meant to achieve. Because, look, I'm an objective person. If they said, hey, we want to cover this because here's what we feel is going to be better for unity in the world and happiness and people's ability to succeed in life, I'll listen to it. That doesn't mean I'll agree with it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But give me more information. Give me factual information. Don't just say that my daughter should hate herself because she's white and had white parents. And just as soon, don't tell me that my friends that are black, when their kids are born, they're born without the ability to succeed in life because it's all BS. No, it's not real. Um, it's, um, it's just it's so disappointing because it really is all about the children. And, you know, we had our episode about the war on children. You talk about the vaccinations that are being pushed on children. All the commercials are disgusting. You know, it's um, I don't usually listen to regular terrestrial radio. And the other day, I just so happened to just have the radio on. I was driving home from work and the first commercial was about the free vaccinations, free vaccinations, free covid tests come to X, Y, Z location on, you know, every every Friday and every Sunday of every week. You can get free vaccinations uh, for children as young as five to eleven. Then the following commercial on the radio like when i talked to you about us living in freaking the upside down was a johnson and johnson commercial and the johnson and johnson commercial says you know tearless baby shampoo and body lotion and then they go into and johnson and johnson knows what's best for your kids and as i'm sitting there listening to it i think about so many people that take that for face value and go yeah tearless shampoo for kids they don't think about all the lawsuits from the baby powder that cause cancer in children. They don't talk about that. But there's no coincidence that there's all of a sudden a Johnson & Johnson baby shampoo and lotion commercial stating that Johnson & Johnson knows best for your kids when Johnson & Johnson is making a vaccine saying they know what's best for your kids, so get them vaccinated. I mean... Joe Man's amnesia. It's unbelievable. People just forget. 
They forget every bad thing that these companies have ever done. And I'm glad you brought up Johnson and Johnson too, because uh, this week I heard that they, uh, they announced that we have reached an all time high whenever it comes to overdose deaths, the opioid crisis and the wreckage that is laid across our entire nation is we are we are in an opium war with ourselves. Well, look at I mean, that them, we look funded. at Pfizer. Pfizer has yes. been sued more than any other pharmaceutical company in the history of the world because of things that were FDA approved and they gave the people. Right. You look at the big pharma companies. They're the ones that make Oxycontin. How many people has that killed? Right. Opioid overdoses. How many people die from that every single year? It's more than people that die from COVID. I'll tell you that right now. And they're the ones that, that propagate that stuff. They're the ones that established and build it and, and say that we, you know, it, I'm telling you, man, I'm listening to this sequence of commercials and I'm in my truck just shaking my head going, are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? This is psychological warfare. This is indoctrination. Just listening to the radio that we go from vaccination Propaganda. to and Johnson and Johnson knows what's best for your kids. We're here to keep it safe. And what they're saying is Johnson and Johnson knows better than you do as a parent what's best for your kids. So bow, bow to us and inject your kids with, you know, unresearched poison that is. And I know we're not to the Glenn Beck part, but he was talking about how it's not a vaccine, guys. It's a therapeutic. Vaccines prevent you from being able to become infected with things. If you take the polio vaccine, you're not going to get polio. You can't take a polio vaccine, then get polio, spread polio to other people, and then die from polio. That's not a real vaccine. It's a therapeutic. And if that's the case, we know that there's other therapeutics. There's the horse dewormer that you can take. There's the uh, the chlorine you can inject into your veins that you can take. And those are all real, proven, FDA-approved, non-murderous, um, you know, side effect ridden. Of course, there's side effects, but not anywhere as severe as this. Speaking of, and then we have the announcement this week that we're not going to learn about the side effects um, of these vaccines for 55 years doesn't that not concern you people? Does that not freak you out just a little bit that they're saying everybody must do this, will restrict you, you can't go out to eat, you can't live your life, you may not be able to have a job. If you live in Austria, you can go to prison, but you can't know what it's going to do for you for 55 fucking years? Are you kidding me right now? How is that not a red flag to everybody? And then Lord Fauci comes out and, you know, it's, I know what's best for you. You have to get it. You have to get it. You have to get it. And you're listening to these people. And just wait till we get into our third segment tonight about the Glenn Beck special. But I got to tell you, man, this whole entire thing is just grotesque. And it is, you know, we, we use the word propaganda so much and, and authoritarian, but that genuinely is what it is. And, you know, in, in the, literally the 10 minute window that I've listened to regular radio out of the last six months of my life because I don't listen to the damn radio in just that short span of time, I'm hearing that I should trust Johnson & Johnson to make the right health decision for my kids that made baby powder that caused cancer, but they know better than I do? Suck it, man. I mean, it is so frustrating. And what's more frustrating is to think about how many people listen to that. And that gives them the warm and fuzzy feeling going, yeah, 
Johnson and Johnson does know what's best for my children. I should listen to them. And they just, it's hook, line, and sinker, man. It is hook, line, and freaking sinker. Could you think about, think about the advertising team that sat around. Okay, guys, how do we convince more parents to poison their kids? Here's what we do. We remind them that they use our, our, our tearless shampoo and our lotion on the babies, regardless of how many chemicals are in that. But we don't really want to talk about that right now. So what can we do that seems to be a neutral commercial that is absolutely convincing and coercing people into trusting us enough to, to inject a five-year-old child with poison? It's fucked up. And it is crazy. And it is crazy that if you're not woke and you're not red-pilled, that people don't even understand what the point of that commercial was, that they only take it for surface value and face value and go, oh, yeah, tearless shampoo works great for babies. I don't want my babies to cry when I wash their hair. Durr, buy right into it. It's sickening, man. It's sick. People are That's fucking all they sick. Know. I mean, I, I really, truly believe that the way that people are raised nowadays is that they're raised in a culture of consumerism and we are all trained and I do it myself a lot when I'm talking about different products or talking about different programs that I use is that I repeat a lot of what I've read or that I see. And when people speak to one another, there's different levels of understanding and different ways in which people can also uh, convey their understanding of those things. And I think that where you and I, John Henry, uh, are sort of privileged in this regard is that we get to communicate a lot with other people. And I don't think that a lot of these people that are wrapped up in this, um, I guess, legion, if you will, um, we're going to have to come up with a good term. Uh, I don't want to want to steal somebody else's stuff. But when they're wrapped up in the legion, that they really don't know how to communicate what they understand because they don't have a deep understanding I like Legion. The thing that Have you ever seen about. the movie Legion? I like it. I think that's that's good. That's a good reference point. Uh, I've only seen parts of it, but I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it. Well, uh, Legion there's, isn't, there's isn't that the movie like that. where um, it's like all the fallen angels that have become demons? I think it's like Ben Ben Kingsley's in it, I think, or something. I can't like remember. That. I think that's it. I'll, I'll double I'm check. I apologize if I'm blowing it here, guys. But no, I think that's what that's it is. Okay. So we'll go Legion. I like Legion. Yeah. So when people, but like, as I was saying though, is that when people fall into the Legion, they don't really have a big knowledge base. And there's a lot of things like you and I love music. So there's, there's a, a level of understanding that the average music listener might have. And then there's a level of understanding that somebody like Engve Malmsteen has for a guitar. Like somebody really loves guitar and looks at guitar and says, Hey, I, I really like the way that that thing sounds that I like, I like this song and that song. And then you compare like that level of knowledge and understanding of it to somebody like a, like an Engve Malmsteen and like the two things aren't really comparable and to see them have a conversation with one another about guitar too would be interesting because you know, it would all depend on the patience and understanding that somebody like a Malmsteen would have for that, that person that knows so very little about the thing that, that he does. 
And I, I see this a lot where just like people repeat the rhetoric um, just because they don't really have a deeper understanding of, of, of the subject itself. And they're also being sold something. So all this is repeated over and over. It's the Project Mockingbird uh, method where you just repeat the safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective over and over again. So in, in conversation, like if you're like, hey, I don't know about getting this thing because I heard that so-and-so down the street got some blood clots from it. And they're like, oh, to, come on now. That's nothing. These things are safe and effective. And that's, that's their level of argument. And then anything beyond that just goes to like ad hominem attack, like just attacking your character. Oh, you just want people to die or like reading into something like misattribution and motivation. So, you know, you, you just want to, you know, you, you, you don't want to listen to me because you, you, you want your freedom more than you want uh, people not to die or something like that. Just dumb arguments, just really dumb arguments. So, I mean, uh, that, but that's, that's the type of people where I hope that someday they encounter something that does red pill them, that does wake them up a bit and makes them understand. And I, I really do think just to finish out the, the, the cow discussion is that I thought about this today too, that, that this is a crucial moment because this might red pill a lot of people whenever it comes to how the media and the government can treat the, uh, an average person. And I wouldn't even say that. Because I would say how they would treat a child. We're talking about a set, like when this all occurred, Kyle Rittenhouse was 17 years old, man. 17 years old in 1942, you'd be in a war somewhere for us, right? Like it would be a 17 year old kid with a little medic pack and you're laying there with your guts hanging out, like in the you know, beginning of Private Ryan. And this, well, this and kid is going to be forced meme, to work on you. The meme said if it wasn't for 17 year old, uh, 17 year olds with guns, we'd still be British. Well, I, I didn't, but I mean, that's, that's a perfect example. Heck, we might be speaking German right now. Absolutely. You know, that too. I mean, uh, I think about whenever I had family members sign up, what ages that they were at and other people that tried to sneak in, you know, uh, that were younger than the legal age at the time to join the military at the time of World War II. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm all in favor of uh, conscripting 17-year-old children to, to fight our wars for us. No, that's not what I'm arguing. But I'm just saying, like, they're, they're willing to attack this young person, and this young person is more than capable of handling that situation. And then you see the, the aftermath, too, of what this has done to him. Like the way the character attacks focused on his his crying on stand and then his fainting uh, today during the the reading of the of the verdict and everything, which I don't blame. I, I, my knees would give out too in, in that kind of situation. Um, but you know we're we're talking about something where they, they threw this kid in what they thought was going to be a star chamber. I included something in this week's source list about those two. I found it really inter interesting. And I'm glad you brought up the revolutionary war too, because like during, before those times when we were British occupied, they could just snatch you off the street, accuse you of something, have some sort of kangaroo court trial where, you know, th th there's no facts. There's, you're not given any rights. You're barely given representation. And then they may not kill you, but they could also just torture you and steal all your stuff and throw you in a prison and whatever. And they, they tried to do that basically to Kyle Rittenhouse and he stood up to them, but he suffered for it. 
Like if you want to talk about the type of suffering, I mean, this kid has PTSD. He has PTSD from killing people just like our soldiers do from the, the crazy shit that we had them do over the past couple decades in, out in the Middle East, just like we were talking about with places like Yemen and others where we've, we've sent soldiers to liberate different countries in Afghanistan, Iraq, of course, included. And they're all coming back and they're having the same type of tremoring, you know, and shakes and crying and, and hyperventilating. And if you know somebody that has PTSD and you recognize that type of mannerism, like that, that type of reaction, it felt real to me. And if he's, if he's a brilliant actor and and he did that and that got him off, then more power to him. But Again, we're getting into the realm of like mind reading there of just trying to figure out if somebody's genuine or not. But we we can't we can't look at the facts anymore. And the people the people that are running our show just to go into uh, today's second segment, I wanted to do this about our two tier justice system because even though we came out with a good verdict today. It wasn't like the the odds were in Kyle's favor as far as like the institutional uh, presence against him. You know, the facts of the matter save, may have saved him. And I think the prosecution's malfeasance, which I, I do agree should have uh, ended in a mistrial with prejudice. Well, all, but all f- media deemed him guilty before yeah, he even the, the trial began. The, the president of the United States deemed, deemed him guilty. And, um, you know, when you look at that, it's, you know, what a, what a battle, I mean, what a fight, what, a, what an underdog when it comes to that. And, you know, the type of social pressure that they tried to put on the jurors. And, you know, that's why I just, as I did earlier in the episode, just commend the jurors and the judge for doing the right thing and not bowing to that, um, to that persuasion, you know, could you imagine what it was like for them to, you know, because even though the jurors aren't supposed to watch the news and anything on it. Like, come on, man, if we're being honest, do you think you could pull it off for that period of time that you wouldn't just pop it on for a second? I mean, they understood Not unless the you were a, a January 6th defendant because they did catch that one guy on his wife's phone in his garage or something like that as violation of his parole. So if they really <laughs> like say if our if our Department of Justice really wanted to come after you, uh, then they could probably pull some stuff nowadays from what uh, I've I seen. I would imagine so. Yeah, you're right. But I don't think they were going to do it with that jury. I just think that they they knew that they got themselves into a pickle because of the the, the entire narrative surrounding it. And you know, if if they could have hung him on those charges, they certainly would have. I don't think it was ever put on a, a, as a show for us to give us a little bit of red meat over here on this side of the aisle. I, I definitely think that you know that judge somewhere. I hope he's having a nice light beer. And listen to some Lee Greenwood and just rocking out maybe with some like cowboy boots on or something like whatever he's into and just enjoying being a, a good old American because, yeah, that judge's faith in the system, that institutionalist uh, approach, it doesn't work out a lot for us here <laughs> on our side of the aisle. It really doesn't. We, we have been handed a lot of really nasty losses uh, relying on people like judges um, to, to come and save us. But I think that, you know, your, your thankfulness for, and, you know, for and gratitude for the jury and, and, and what they must've gone through and in order to arrive at this, uh, conclusion too, 
I, I think we've really been blessed by that as a nation because it, it just shows that if you do have concrete video evidence, eyewitness evidence of, of your self-defense and just all, all the uh, situational things too that would lead somebody to believe that you were there defending yourself, then, and, and if they threw you under the bus uh, after that, if they hung them after that, I, I think a lot of people would have been blackpilled. I, I think a lot of people just would have looked at it and, and seen that kind of wrong happen. And thankfully nothing that dire happened to the person I wanted to bring up to before we moved on, just to close out the Kyle Rittenhouse segment on a, on a lighter note, I think is that Sean Hannity, who's uh, a, a ch- just a cheerleader for some of the, the, the worst uh, Republican garbage that's out there. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like what he's done with Russia gate. Uh, I'll give him props for that. But he had uh, Nicholas Sandman on to talk about what he thought about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. And Nicholas Sandman, as many of you may know, he was the the part of the Covington uh, high school kids that were standing on the Capitol steps and they were approached by uh, a, a Native American man who also, uh, we were just speaking of military, uh, who uh, was a case, I believe, of stolen valor where this guy didn't really serve and then claimed that he was a Vietnam vet and all this stuff. And he's just banging this drum in the kid's face and the kids just stand there just kind of smiling. I'm like, yeah, man, do do your thing with your drum. Okay, you're, you're, this, is, this, this is fine, I guess. It's just an awkward moment. But the media took that snapshot of him making the face while the guy's beating the drum in his face. Meanwhile, too, uh, the black Hebrew Israelites who were present at that rally, the things that they said to the Covington kids, if that were in any way, like, I hate to do this because, I mean, again, it just kind of feeds into the, the thing where we have to work within their framework. But my goodness, had another group of people on earth that wasn't white <laughs> been, been, been the target of any of those epithets that were thrown at them, anything like that. Um, it would have been a full, it would have been a full out brawl, I think. I, 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 and I think the media would have cheered it on too, you know, these days, especially, but Nicholas Sandman ultimately wasn't guilty of anything. Uh, he was guilty of some sort of social crime enough so that there was like D list movie stars saying that they wanted to beat them up on Twitter and stuff and not getting suspended, of course. So we go through all this and Nicholas Sandman uh, did the right thing and took the bastards to court and made them prove that what they said about him was rather true or they were full of shit. And they didn't want to have to go to court because then there would be a discovery and that everybody would find out that they were full of shit. So they just they just bailed and paid him a lot of money out of, out of you know, as a settlement instead. So, so good for him. It's somewhere in between minimum 80 million and upwards of 250 million dollars. Oh yeah. what the settlement was for him. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. That's what you get, you punks. Yep. For saying stuff about a kid that did nothing. Like this kid literally did nothing. Mm-hmm. He stood there and he looked the guy in the face and then he just kind of just 
He pursed his lips a little bit and just kind of like, okay, well, this guy's trying to do something, but I'm not going to give in. You know, like he didn't shove the guy. Um, he didn't like, you know, you know, crotch chop, like suck it to him or anything, you know, like he didn't do anything. And the media just wanted, wanted this guy beat up. Like they, they, they tried to target him like with physical violence and, and they had plenty of these experts on. I love the experts that they bring on the race experts. You know, they just come back and they're just like, Oh, well, did you say the racist experts? Yeah, well, that's what they are. Yeah, they come in and they're just like, well, this kid's standing there with a red baseball cap on. That's like slavery. And that's their take. They don't even demonstrate why it's like that or how it's like that. Or, you know, they don't they don't have to even connect the two things. They just simply make a brief comparison and then they got their little soundbite, their little snapshot. And then people see that like you, we were just talking about, though. And then they just repeat it. They repeat it in conversation. They're just like, well, I, I saw those racist Covington kids got it this week. You know, and, and you're like, what are you talking? Like, if you're somebody like us that pays attention to alternative media, you were probably like, when you first heard that, like, oh, this is garbage. There's there's no way. Like, the, 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 these kids, like, just there's something about this story that isn't right. You know, like, what are they, were they the aggressors? Like, I could see a bunch of teenage kids being aggressors. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, from the information you could gather from the story, like it just it seemed wrong. And then Mike Cernovich, who came out with that movie Hoaxed, which I believe coincidentally got pulled from Amazon because they suck. And um, but w- when it comes down to it, like how many more of these Jesse Smollett's and, you know, Nicholas Sandman, you know, uh, the Covington kid uh, type of media hoaxes. Are we going to put up with in this country? Bubba Wallace's, you know, like uh, how much of that media, this fake racist outrage that turns out to be absolutely nothing. And like they even investigate it. Like now, uh, like just a transition into segment two here about the justice system is that we found out through a whistleblower this week and through our boy, Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan will wrestle you to the ground and he'll speak at a million miles an hour while doing it to describe the entire Russiagate investigation to you from start to back. Shout out Jim Jordan, true American patriot, holding it down in Ohio, getting it, even though they're trying to eliminate his seat in Ohio. Of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? I mean, well, it's just because they can't, they, they can't beat them one way. Might they, as well just well, the eliminate reason, them all the, the rationale, I, I think it makes sense. They want to eliminate mm. his seat because his balls are too big to fit in a chair. Mm. <laughs> hey, man. Got to do something with those things. And he's certainly using them. I mean, I, uh, apparently, so a whistleblower came to Jim Jordan or Jim Jordan got a, a hold of this information from a whistleblower about the fact that uh, Merrick Garland lied. He really lied to Congress. He's the attorney general. He's in charge of the Department of Justice. I feel like that's a, a really problem. popular thing now to lie to Congress. Like it's it's OK I mean, now yeah. between him and Fauci. It's like it's OK. Uh, I mean, you know, it's under oath. But when you're a demon that doesn't believe think, in God, I guess it's a moot point. Like, I hate I hate to be outraged by it because I don't expect a lot from these people at all anymore. But like somebody, even like somebody like Fauci, it's like we talked about the, the Arnold thing last week. Like I would expect Fauci to be a lying scumbag. 
But at least you would expect that somebody that's risen to the level of attorney general to be a little bit smarter than perjuring themselves. Especially like, didn't his like whole run for attorney general just start too? Like you just, he just got in the position practically. Like he's just starting to work here. And he's already slipped up so bad that he's done something criminal. And he's the one in this country that's supposed to be doing the, the, the law enforcement. At the highest like, level of law enforcement, actually. Like the single individual highest level of law enforcement. Is, probably in the world. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, globally. Unbelievable, man. And then, like, n- not only this, but just, like, the other, the utter denial of it, too. That, that somehow, no. I mean, but it, it comes out that uh, the DOJ was putting, like, terrorist codes. They were, they were coming up with codes for parents that were aligned, like, the same type of codes that they would use for terrorists. And that this entire deal was made out between him and the National School Board Administration or whatever organization. So, like, not only were they in cahoots with this, along with the White House, but they knew the entire time that they were doing this. And whenever asked if they were legitimately targeting parents about this stuff, they were like, no, 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 no. Merrick Garland's like, no, we're just, we're, we're talking about acts of violence here. Violence is bad. You know, just like stupid, you know, platitudes like that in front of Congress, you know, and they were trying to nail him down on it of, of why he targeted parents about, you know, opposing CRT or whatever. And, you know, as it turns out, though, not only does his son-in-law, not only is there a conflict of interest there because his son-in-law's company um, is involved in CRT training in schools and makes a lot of money off of that, I'm sure. Uh, it's a great grift. But then, so besides the, the conflict of interest, which I think you, you would expect him to recuse himself or something like that, right, for, but then you find out that, yeah, they are, they are really targeting parents because they already have an administrative code for it. They already have a term. They already have a, a button to press to put you in that column, whatever, whatever column that may be, uh, this column, at least, it seems like, yeah, if you go to your local school board and somebody on the school board doesn't like what you said to them, then you go on that list now. You're, you're assigned that code. And God knows what happens to you these days. I mean, we're not talking about a forthright organization anymore. Like, what, what ultimately are, were they willing to do with that? And how far would it have gone if it weren't for this whistleblower speaking up now? How bad could it have gotten? Like, could we have, you know, I mean, it's no shocker to anybody in this audience, I hope, that the NSA has been spying on us for years. Um, and then James Clapper lied about it to Congress and got away with it. And John Brennan got away with it. You know, people like that just get away with these types of things all the time. But, you know, are they going to investigate us all as domestic terrorists at some point and we're all going to be part of a database that's going to be tied into a QR code that goes on our vaccine app because that wouldn't shock me <laughs> that wouldn't shock me at all 
But, you know, thankfully there's people like Jim Jordan out there that, um, well, and if you ask you Saul know, Rova, do something about it'll be it. attached to your ability to spend money because there'll Absolutely. be no more private banking. <laughs> so it's, it all comes yeah. together. I mean, that's, that's oh, where the chickens come home. The roost is when you look at the master plan, it's commonly referred to as the great reset. That's what it all is. Talked a lot about the social credit system and, you know, how that all is very ancestral with the vaccinations. And, and now we have the, the lists of parents. And I mean, to even call it the Department of Justice is false. It's false. It's not. It's, it's the Department of Opinion or um, Interpretation. And, you know, they, they interpret the rules and the laws as they see fit. And it's, uh, it's like this, it's this weird, fluid, living thing that they can change it as frequently as they choose to do so. It's ridiculous. Arbitrary. That's the thing about central planning is that you just have to just make up rules to keep people in check, to keep people in line, to target your opponents, uh, whatever the situation may be. And it doesn't have to always be concise. It doesn't always have to be like the the same every time. Like there's there doesn't have to be any consistency there whenever it comes to, oh, we apply this rule all the time to everybody. They don't. They don't on purpose. I mean, that's why they write the laws the way that they do is that they write stupid, vague stuff like Section 230 of the Communications Act. It's just it's written vaguely for a reason so they can get away with murder, you know, and that's. That's why they write the tax code the way they do. And if you read like the, just the, the words from Garland himself, um, he said, you know, when speaking to Congress, imagine he couldn't imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances of parents complaining about their children, nor a circumstance where they would be labeled as domestic terrorists. He said, I do not think that, Parents getting angry at school boards for whatever reason constitute domestic terrorism. It's not even a close question. So that was all bullshit. Because <laughs> records from an anonymous whistleblower released by Rep. Jim Jordan of Ohio, our boy, on Tuesday, however, reveal that the FBI's counterterrorism division is engaged in categorizing threat assessments relating to parents with a threat tag. So tag, we're in. How do you feel about that as a parent, John Henry? It's terrifying. It's disgusting. Uh, and it, and it, more importantly, it's unacceptable. It's, it's vile. And it's, it's like going back to the Johnson & Johnson commercial. There's uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. And there's a hell of a lot of individuals and entities that feel entitled to tell parents what they can and can't do is in the realm of education or health for their children. It's not okay. And, you know, that's why we did our war on children episode. And, you know, this is the exact thing that people should look at and be very concerned about. And it goes back to when we talked about, you know, the, the, the sexual assault or rape in Luton County, Virginia, and when the father was apprehended and drug out of there. And, um, you know, that's, that's not okay. And when, you know, I think what it is, it's time for us to all again for the millionth time, because we talk about 
so much of this is repetitive because it's it's pertinent and it's an important and it is a freaking giant priority to us that parents need to stand together and uh, and they need the fight back. And, you know, it's funny because I was having a conversation about the vaccinations and the mandates with um, a guy that I worked with the other day and um, his response is, well, what are we going to do about it? Ho, 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 vote. And he like kind of says it in jest and, and makes a joke out of it. And I said, well, here's what we do about it. We do what the Amtrak employees did. We do what the Southwest Airline employees did. We do what all these parents are doing, fighting in front of the school board meetings. So what we do is, um, as much as I hate Nike because they use slave labor and child labor, just do it. You know, that, and that's our obligation. That's, um, that's our parental obligation. That is our moral obligation. And that's our patriotic obligation. And we can do something about that. And to see how weaponized these things have become that the fact that if, uh, you know, because I know one of the things is, you know, there's a lot of parents that there's been a lot of, um, they've been taking a deep dive in their child's education and what the kids not only are be taught, but what type of literature is being provided to them. So one of the issues and how people are getting put on the list and they're, they're having the, the button hit on them is pornographic information. I mean, the parents are going in front of the school boards and they're reading these books talking about anal sex and strap-ons and um, homosexual sex and all these things. And it's super vulgar and extremely vivid. You know, I, I was listening to one mom talk about, I don't want my daughter to know about anal sex. Like my daughter's 12 years old. And uh, another one talking about, I want, you know, I use a strap-on and this is my favorite dildo to strap on. And this is literature provided the children. So there's a war on your kids. So first and foremost, when I say just do it and do something about it, as a parent, if your children are in public school, even private school, you need to take a deep dive and check in on what these children are actually being taught and what type of literature and information is being provided to them. That's your obligation as a mom and dad. Uh, or just a mom or just a dad or whatever it may be, adoptive parents, it doesn't matter. It's your obligation. You need to know what's being fed to them. It's kind of like food, right? When little kids are little kids and everybody has somebody's house they go to where they feed the kids, you know, soda and candy. And you're like, well, damn it. Like, I, I don't want them going to Bob and Judy's house anymore because they feed the kids candy and soda and I know it's bad for them. Well, what's even more detrimental to, uh, you know, something on a nutritional basis being fed to your kids that can hurt them is mental, right? And, and education wise, and what are they going through and what are they learning? So if you care enough to say, I don't want to go to Bob and Judy's house because they give the kids lollipops and nerds and Kit Kats and, and uh, Mountain Dew, right? Which inevitably is bad for our children and we don't feed that stuff at home, so I guess what I'm saying is, if it's not something that you're willing to feed your children at home, you better start taking a look at what type of mental and psychological nutrition um, that they're being provided. That's step one, right? And if you're not doing that, shame on you as a parent. I want to know what my daughter would be learning. You know, I'm not just going to uh, expect for it to be the right thing because when you look at the times that we live in, it's really the opposite. You should anticipate and expect that they're being taught the wrong things that maybe aren't aligned with your moral set or your moral compass. So that's what you do first. Um, now, here's the deal. If something is happening that's a detriment to my daughter, who my job, 
my most important job in this world, external of my career, or anything else I do, is to be the best father I can be. And that's providing my daughter with, um, you know, helping raise her and educating her on appropriate things, the right things, what she's capable of, supporting her um, in everything that she wants to do and wants to be. Well, then I need to pay better attention to that. Because I'm not going to be ignorant and hope that somebody else is doing the job that is my job. That is my number one priority in this world is to keep her safe. And at this point, we can't just assume that education system is safe for our kids. Because we've had way too many examples that state an opposing view of that. Which is, you know, pornographic literature, critical race theory. We know the wrong thing is happening. We know the indoctrination is taking place. So you're never too busy to explore that a little bit. And um, ask your kids, what did you learn today? What are you guys discussing in school? What's going on? So really, I think it's just a, a matter of awareness and involvement with your kids. And if I get put on a list because I don't want my daughter reading about strap-ons and um, you know, the, you know, homosexual sex and anal sex when she's 12 years old, because I'm going to say this, as a parent, it's your job to not just shelter, but protect your kids from that type of thing. Because when it becomes so flippant and so casual in explaining that, well, what do you think motivates a 12 or 13 year old boy or girl to start doing sexual acts, right? It's those things. It is the, it's okay to buy a strap on. You can't get a damn strap on when you're 12, 13 years old, man. It's crazy. So, you know, you have to protect them from those type of things. And uh, and again, that's your number one obligation to your children. So if I fight that good fight, that's okay. I'm willing to be put on a list because the alternative is pretty bleak. I don't want to fail my child. And effectively, if a parent doesn't have that involvement or awareness, you are failing your children and you're not executing a rule number one as a parent, which is keep your kids safe. And that, listen, I'm not saying that homosexuality is a bad thing. And if, you know, people develop and that that's their choice, then that's okay. But it's just like getting a damn face tattoo. You know, you're not doing that until you're 18 years old. And it's your job as a parent to protect your kids from somehow figuring out how to go and get a face tattoo when they're 14. You know, and if you if they find a way to do that, that's your fault because you lack that awareness or support for your kids. So. I mean, that's my thought on it is there's nothing that takes precedence in my life over keeping my daughter safe and healthy. Nothing. And that's on a a physical level and certainly on a mental and emotional level, too. I really appreciate your words uh, whenever it comes to just coming from the perspective of being a parent, because I think a lot of people in our audience can relate to that. And one thing uh, I'm just going to come out with it, because if I don't if I don't get it out of my brain now, I'm going to forget it. And then it, the the point of it would be missed. So I apologize in advance for the level of anger that I'm about to make you experience. And I'm only doing this because I'm your friend. The ultimate devil's advocate for the children reading about dildos and strap-ons and all kinds of sexual stuff is that at least it, they aren't learning about the normalization of pedophilia like that one crazy professor and the whole maps deal this past week. I don't know if you saw any of that, but I want, but, but think just about like the, the normalization, just made, right? Think about, you yeah. just, you, you just made a statement that you, you basically 
<laughs> negated the first part of it, right? They are. Mm. What do you think comes next? So when yeah. we talk about the pushing of the sexuality types and the pronouns, I saw frog pronouns today um, on, on Instagram. <laughs> frog pronouns. Frog pronouns. Frog pronouns. And I, I believe ah, that ah, ah. it was um, biologically a female, but she uses frog pronouns. Well, look, we've talked about this before. The push of, you know, all the sexualities and that if you're not supportive of somebody using frog pronouns, um, that you're, you're a homophobe, which I'm not. I don't care what people's chosen sexuality is. I've stated that before. I don't care. Just like I would hope that nobody cares what mine is which is just a matter of privacy. If you want to do something, listen, if you want to say that you're, you want to be referred to as a fucking bullfrog, I don't care. Right. But don't try to coerce my daughter into wanting to be a fucking bullfrog. That's mental illness right there. And when you look at grooming to be a bullfrog. (laughs) Yes. That's where we've arrived. We've we've actually arrived. That's where 2021 we've even, we've even surpassed all the Satanist pedophilia stuff. Yeah. We're all the way to like becoming animals and and pretend things. Absolutely. So when you look at it, when you look at how this is, no pun intended, forced down our throats and the normalization of all this insanity, the whole goal here, the underlying goal of all of this, and if you're missing it, shame on you, is to establish the normalization of pedophilia. Because what it is, is if they can push people to the extreme to say that, if I if I don't acknowledge somebody is an asexual, pansexual, non-binary bullfrog, then I am homophobic or somehow hateful. So all this is, is this is conditioning. They're conditioning people to roll into the most extremes that are going to be out there, which is clearly pedophilia. And as we saw, as you stated, we've now seen people start to come out outwardly and just say it. You know, the, 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 the secret thing is now actually being vocalized to people. So that's the next step. The next step is, you know, that it's okay if there's a difference in age and if somebody's 45 and, you know, a child is nine, love is love, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's wrong. And that's why you have to recognize these things and pay attention to these things. Because if you think it stops at the strap on, and if you think it stops at the anal sex, you're mistaken. We're going, they're going all the way with this thing. And it's like the Overton window. If you guys have never read the Glenn Beck books, Overton window, just look up what that is. And basically what it is, is if you take a window and you only move that window a little bit, you still see the majority of the same view. It's just, it's about identical. And then you adjust it a little bit more and you still basically see what's recognizable as that view. And, and you progressively make these micro adjustments to what's normal and eventually what happens is you know that that normal at some point when that overton window is shifted enough it is a completely different view but you accept that because it's been progressive and it was slow and it was mostly recognizable throughout that whole process and that's what this is is there you know, they're, they're sliding the Overton window to get to a point where there's a, a drastically different view than the one we started with, but they do it subtle. So there's that normalization and that acceptance for people. And that's the, the overarching goal of this entire thing is, you know, to get to a point where pedophilia, it won't be called that. 
right? They'll, they'll, they'll make up a new moniker, a new name for it. We know that. That now, if you're not supportive of the fact that adults molest children and prey on children and rape children, then you are a hateful, horrible person. And now you are demonized because you don't find the logic or you're not supportive of that type of thing. And it's just wrong. So, you know, it, 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 it doesn't piss me off because I already know what the, the end game is. We know what the goal is, and it is to push it to the most extremes that we can possibly push it to. Where now, you know, we use the word racism so flippantly. We use, the, you know, calling people Nazis and fascists. I mean, look at that, just that as an example, right? Let's look at the fascist piece of it. So Antifa, they're called anti-fascists. Yet they use every freaking fascist play in the book. They, in fact, are fascists. They are executing fascism. The things that they are doing are exactly that. But instead, what they do is they turn it around and go, oh, no, you're the fascist because you're not supportive of this. So it's, you know, it's 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 a whole new definition and they just flip everything upside down and push you in that direction. So, you know, again, if you don't think that that's where this is going, you're failing as a parent. If you don't recognize the, the pornographic literature and the critical race theory, and if you don't recognize that now and see the wrong in that, then what they're going to do is condition you and massage you to the point when it gets to that extreme and you finally look at that and go, what in the hell is this? Right? This is insane. But you look at what, you, what you've been forced to become comfortable or maybe not supportive of, but we'll call it tolerant of, right? To the point where now there's a normalization of pedophilia and it's okay for grown adults to, you know, prey on children. And that's, it's not okay. So that's why these parents speaking out in regards to the, the pornographic literature and the sex education that is now pushed to an extreme is so critical and it's so important right now. Because as a parent, if you wouldn't have that conversation with your kids, who in the hell is anybody else to have that conversation with your kids? So you need to put a stop to it. So if you go on a list, so be it. I'll, I'll be on that list and wear my scarlet letter with pride that I was the dad that didn't tolerate that type of shit and wasn't okay with that. And, and, you know, for somebody else to, you know, again, normalize these extremes with my child, fuck you. Absolutely not. No way, shape or form. You know, it's like, you're not going to have a babysitter that, you know, comes to an interview and goes, well, look, you know, I do like the party and, and I like to bring guys over and have them gangbang me. I really like meth too. And if you look, when I don't have any meth, I like heroin a lot. And I know there's track marks on my arm. And um, But no, but I'm a great babysitter. So you should hire me. What parent in the world's going to go, yeah, I'm going to sign you up, Debbie. I, I think you're going to be great to watch my kids. Well, if you wouldn't have the willingness to do that, then why would you have the willingness to have them being taught these things in school that otherwise you would never want that type of information to be put into your child's brain? So what are you going to do about it? Well, you better go in front of the school board, right? I mean, what are they going to do? What's the penalty for that? What's the justification for that? What's the next step on that? When we look at how they've weaponized that system and they're putting parents on that list, what is, you know, what law is somebody breaking? Well, this all goes hand in hand with how we talk about on every single episode of this, the First Amendment, right? You have the ability to speak out. That is your constitutional right. To be able to do that. But the point of it is, they can't really do anything about this until they eliminate the First Amendment. And that's why it is such a critical, critical thing 
that we never allow that to happen because until that point, they can't really do anything with this. They can't. It's not that these people aren't threatening the school boards. They're not going in and saying, you know, hey, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to kill you. No, they're not doing that. What they're doing is they're sharing their opinion on that. You know, and the other piece of it, too, is are we looking at alternative education possibilities? You know, is homeschool something that's realistic? Is a, is a private school that you vetted? Is it, you know, is it a Christian school that you go in and have a conversation about the curriculum and say, hey, these are my concerns about my child being in public school. What does it take for me to make sure that they're not exposed to these type of things? So, you know, those are all the things that, you know, mom and dads, they, they need to pay good attention to. And listen, there's no excuse. There is no I'm too busy. There is no I work too much. Nothing matters more than the children because those are our future. And we know that there's a war against them right now. Well, it's because we're always fighting against these monopolies, too. I mean, I'm just thinking that, you know, I'm, I'm staring at the screen here and just looking at the National School Boards Association coordinated with the White House prior to sending a letter dated September 29th to President Biden labeling parents as domestic terrorists and urging the Justice Department to use federal tools, including the Patriot Act, to target parents. Thanks, I'm thinking to myself, Bush. like, Thank you, George Bush. Yeah. Oh, George Bush. Because he's the decider. They're the deciders. They get to decide. And like you, you talked about it, like uh, to put it bluntly, folks, Negative rights, the kind of rights that John Henry and I talk about and the kind of rights that are espoused in the Constitution in the United States, you know, our First Amendment, our Second Amendment that we bring up a lot here, you know, uh, those, those types of ideas, those negative rights require boundaries. They, they require clarification of boundaries where you do not have those rights infringed, that it is understood that they are inherent within you, that it is your right as a parent to tell your daughter about sex and about religion and about certain beliefs. And it's not up to the school board's association or any other association. I don't care what it is. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how small it is. It doesn't have any, it should not have any factor in the way that your child thinks. It should be teaching your child, like when we're talking about education, like there's all sorts of alternatives now when it comes to, you know, say if you want a cell phone service that isn't AT&T, you can get Patriot Mobile now. If you don't want a Google phone, you can get an above phone. You know, you can get, you can get alternatives. But when you're talking about schooling, like these types of occupations and the the type of education that people receive, especially in America right now, is, is highly monopolized. And we if we could figure out a way to crack the code and to get some more independent and different and innovative uh, type of education to to students who don't, uh, who have parents that don't want to put their kids through this meat grinder because they don't want them turning out as the sausage that these people become at the end because the sausage sucks. It's terrible. 
and that's 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 rough coming from somebody like me because I I do, I do enjoy quite a bit of sausage, but um, and you could take that as you will. I don't care, but the the idea that as a parent that you're going to put your kid in a situation where you're going to put them in these indoctrination camps and expect something good to come of it, even if they're given the the best of you know, sort of social education. Uh, amongst you and your family and your friend network and everything, everybody that's had a hand in, in their upbringing, that you're still going to put them in a, in a lion's den. Like they're going to be hated in some situations. Like we're, we're talking about, we've seen over the past couple of years, you know, kids being beaten for wearing a red hat to school. For wearing an American, getting suspended for wearing an American flag t-shirt to school. Like, if that's the kind of stuff you're willing to put up with, go, go right ahead. But it, it, I, don't let me tell you how to raise your kids. In fact, that, that's my point. Nobody should really be telling you how. But just to point out the fact that you're going to rely on some some entity like the National School Boards Association to do anything for your child in good faith. After that, after they just come out and say, whoops, just like the, the BP guys on, on South Park again, just whoopsie, you know, yeah, we did coordinate with the White House and the DOJ to call you all terrorists and use the Patriot Act against you, but whoopsie, keep sending us your kids, you stupid marks. We'll gladly take them and we'll, we promise to screw them up. We promise to racialize them, to sexualize them, which I, I do think you are correct in that, John Henry. I, I do think that uh, it's not just somebody trying to be overtly conservative or protective of their child. They are literally sexualizing children with this with this material that they're using to teach them. They are literally sexualizing them. They are introducing sex and sexual pr- provocative things to them at a very young and age in which they they can be easily manipulated therefore groomed so i i do believe that you know every, every child and parent should have their choice as to how their kids going to be sexualized you know and what age you're going to break it to them of how things work in the in the world and how we all get here but that's your call that's not my call and it shouldn't be the it definitely shouldn't be the national school boards association I'd rather give them, I'd rather give their duties over to a fucking clown college at this point after this performance. Like what funds them? Can we just, can we get that pulled? I mean, if they're going to build all this stupid infrastructure stuff that they're not really building and using it on crap like this, I mean, can, can we at least get the funding sent? Like, is there a Republican out there that can figure out how to get the the fucking public sent from the National School Boards Association to a clown college instead. I bet you Senator Kennedy would be down with that. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't come up with it already. But just to shout out a couple little things that I wanted to get off my chest because I do want to save some time uh, for today's broadcast uh, for us talking about the Glenn Beck special. But I uh, just wanted to bring up, I didn't know if you all were aware out there that Representative Gosser has been censured in the House uh, because he posted an anime video, uh, supposedly of him de- depicting him killing AOC. So it's the the intro video to an anime with his face 
poorly superimposed and their face is poorly superimposed onto monsters and he's flying around and fighting them with a sword. They haven't censured anybody. And I don't even... I'd have to scroll down here just to see how long it's actually been since somebody has been censured. But we do have an appearance here by one of our favorite shit cons here at the end. Uh, Representative Liz Cheney was all about this. Uh, it says... Breaking Republican silence in the article, most Republican members have been silent on the video, but at least two reps, Liz Cheney of Wyoming, go figure, right? And Adam King Kinzinger of Illinois expressed support for the resolution prior to Wednesday's vote to censor, to censure this guy. And all he did was retweet it. Like he wasn't the person that sat down and edited all this together. I'd be really impressed if he did. Even though it's it's not of excellent quality, it's it's a pretty basic rip, and they they posted people's faces on top of it. But this is the type of action that we're getting. This is the, the these are the the pressing matters that our government is solving. Instead of the 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 COVID situation, the fact that the vaccines are failing and that we have boosters coming. The fact that, and just our supply chain problems, the price of gas, things not being on store shelves, th Thanksgiving costing everybody more this year, heating oil going up. They're, they're supposedly, they're claiming that they're going to solve the environment catastrophe for us, folks. They're going, they're going after a guy for sharing a meme video. And, and then they, the, the outrage, the feigned outrage that it's spurring some sort of violence. Gosser is just the 24th House member. Mind you, there is a lot of House members in history. So to only be the 24th means they don't do that a whole hell of a lot. And he's also the first in more than a decade over sharing a meme. Meanwhile... On the other side of Democrat town, you have racially motivated attacks just happening on subway cars. John Henry, I don't know if you saw that video, uh, but of the young ladies, if you want to call them that, uh, beating the crap out of a uh, another young lady on a subway. And these uh, also these males, if you want to call them that, just sitting there taking it, just sitting there watching it. Wearing their masks on the subway, getting beat up by a young girl, getting getting berated, and then they turn around and just start slapping, and eventually the young woman falls to the ground and she's being stomped on by these people. And you know, for me, like this is just when they want to call out the fact that the right is in, is encouraging violence. That somehow liberty-minded people like ourselves are the ones that are putting this out there for people and that it's going to result in something really catastrophic. And then you look at the Democrat-run cities, like there was another racially motivated attack where 
young guy was just walking along with his laptop in his backpack and somebody just jumps out of a car and shoots him right in the chest and just leaves him there bleeding to death. And all they can really talk about, though, after all is said and done, because there's been so much argument over getting rid of the police and then argument over getting rid of guns, too, is that now they're demanding more security for these types of areas. And it's not going to be a police type of security. It's going to be a security state, like a spy security state, where everything around you has a camera on it and you're being recorded at all times and facial recognition software is going to be able to pick you up everywhere that you go because you will be safe and and, and secure and protected there because to fill the power vacuum of there not being police and you not having the right to self-defense then that duty has now been given over to another entity which is a new sort of security state fascism that's ever present that is in literally every part of your life because it's in your pocket it's on the screen in front of you and it's on the cameras all pointed at your home you're not going anywhere without them knowing exactly who you are where you're going and what you're up to because people will cry for it they will cry out for it Because if you disarm everybody and you get rid of the police and crime and nastiness gets so bad out there, the people will ask for some sort of order and they will deliver that order to you. You betcha. They'll they'll deliver it Amazon Prime. They'll deliver it in days. They already have it ready. These are plans and schemes that have long been put in place and When you want to talk about plans and schemes coming to fruition, I think that's a perfect segue into the last segment. I want to leave plenty of time to talk about this one because, John Henry, I I want to get your thoughts on the Glenn Beck special. So I've always been a huge fan of Glenn Beck's chalkboard specials uh, for a long time now. A really, really, really long time now because I think that they're always well executed. They do some really, really impeccable research. And I got to tell you, uh, in my opinion, this is the best one he's ever done. And when you look at the amount of documentation that comes along with it, the timelines that were laid out there, um, one, it is horrifying, right? Because the same things that we've always talked about which is this was not bad to human transmission on accident. Uh, This did not come out of a a cave in Wuhan that this was 100% either intentional or an accidental leak from a lab. This substantiates every bit of that. And even more so, uh, as an example, when you learn on this special that the United States government is part owner of the mRNA vaccine technology, um, which is the first time in history that the United States has been an owner of something like that. It is absolutely uh, astounding, right? And really what I feel like it does is everything that we have speculated 
It lays it out there in factual information in a very detailed timeline about this whole entire thing. Um, you know, it talks about Fauci. It talks about China's involvement. I mean, it is to me, it's the best he's ever done. And I know that while he was live streaming the uh, the event, which um, you can see on either the blaze. I don't know if it's on YouTube. I imagine it'll be pulled off, but it was pulled off of Facebook halfway through the live stream. Uh, and he had stated, like, at the end of the day, uh, they will pull this off of YouTube because of the information on there that is otherwise being suppressed. But basically what it does is it gives you a timeline uh, backed up with documentation and factual information about the design of the uh, coronavirus, uh, about the, the Frankenstein virus. The fact that, you know, Fauci and the NIH and the NAIAD, uh, all of them were 100% complicit. Everybody knew about it. When you look at the dates where the mRNA vaccine technology was established, the relationships with all of those, all the letters, all the signatures, everything, emails from everybody, uh, man, it, it is... I would love to say it was eye-opening to me, um, but it wasn't because these are, you know, at surface level, I knew what all of this was. I knew what it was going to be about. I knew that this was either an unintentional or intentional leak of this thing, but it genuinely lays out the instruction guide and uh, in the history of exactly why, how, and when they created the biggest scam that has ever existed on the planet Earth. And the worst thing that any entity government has ever done um, to populations of people and on a global scale, nothing like it has ever taken place. So I highly recommend you spend two hours of your life watching that. And I'll tell you this, I've sent that video to probably 50 people at this point and said, please watch this genuinely pleading. Just please, please, please just watch this. So. Uh, to me, extremely well executed is every one of these specials and the chalkboards that Glenn Beck does is always well executed. One of my favorite things about Glenn Beck and, you know, that I know there's been a lot of ups and downs and there's a lot of people that don't like them because they tried to categorize him as a conspiracy theorist or a kook. But one of my favorite things about Glenn Beck is he, you know, he said this for a long time. Do not take my word for anything. Don't listen to me. Don't believe me. Go find the documents. I'll give you the sources for them and do your own research. So what the Glenn Beck special did was 100% solidify that the pandemic was not accidental, um, that this whole entire thing was completely orchestrated on a massive, massive global level at this point. And it shows you the truth because that's what it is. It is very distinct and very detailed. And, um, and all based on fact and documentation. Everything is documented, guys. Everything. There's no speculation in it at all. And what's amazing is you come to the end of it, and now we know that Fauci's also pushing for a 20% increase in funding for the NIH because of the continuation of what they're doing. So to me, in my opinion... Uh, I think that that is one of the most important and critical um, informational segments, documentary, explanation, description, uh, uh, truth-telling, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you deem it. I think it is absolutely and just so incredibly important. And I got to tell you, you know, to me, 
that's one of those things where if they broadcast that on the emergency alert system, it would change the world dramatically in within a two-hour window. Um, I've always liked Glenn Beck. There were some things that he wasn't great with. I didn't like the way that he approached the Trump situation and he dipped his face in the Cheetos and, you know, they um, they they made fun of him and didn't take him serious. Uh, I, I thought that was in really poor taste. So just to be clear, I'm not uh, necessarily a Glenn Beck fanboy, but there's some things that he's done historically that I've disagreed with. But his segments on George Soros have always been accurate and spot on. Um, I'm sure this will shock you to hear that there's some involvement at this level also from George Soros. Um, you know, it's Dr. Evil that they like to hide. And um, I, I'm, I'd be surprised if he didn't live in, in a mountain somewhere uh, that he has to helicopter into at this point in his evil compound. But um, I, my concern is that there just isn't or won't be enough distribution of this information. And it would change a lot of people's opinions on this thing. Um, a lot of people's opinions because, you know, right now, again, they look at people like us that have these conversations and they go, okay, here we go with the conspiracies again. Okay, guys, it's not a conspiracy. The whole entire situation was orchestrated. This whole thing was well planned out and well executed uh, to destroy the United States and other countries economically to destroy people's morale and to push towards a great reset. And now we, we know. Um, so uh, again, the research impeccable, the documentation impeccable. It's all there guys. It's all there. This was not accidental. Um, this was not a bat virus that evolved in a short period of time and jumped to a person. Um, this is 100% manufactured and orchestrated. Um, again, this is, in my opinion, the worst thing that has ever happened to mankind. I say that I don't want to neglect things like the Holocaust or what takes place in North Korea. Those are atrocities and horrific. But when you look at the scale and the amount of people that this has impacted on a global basis, um, it is terrifying. And I, I, I'll tell you this, when you watch this, if there's any bit of you that believes in or trusts your government, I promise you that will be done. You will never believe the government again. You will never, and rightfully so, and it is 100% justifiable because when you look at what has happened and what's been done and the impact that that has had and how we got to that point, uh, it is, um, you know, you, we talk about that movie, They Live, you know, with Rowdy Roddy Piper. In my opinion, um, this, this segment that he did that puts the glasses on you. And if it doesn't put the glasses on you, then we'll just go to the, the very popular saying ignorance is bliss and that you'll talk yourself out of it, but it's all documented. So it was a very intense two hours of watching that and sitting there and just shaking my head going, it's all true. Every single bit of it is true. They're all complicit on so many different levels the funding for it, um, the people that were involved in it. I mean, it is uh, nothing short of terrifying, in my opinion. What'd you think of it? So I had to go over it twice. I, there's a lot of info that they throw at you in the special, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Um, and one of the things that did stick with me, of course, was the Moderna um, 
the, the Moderna deal between the government and Moderna. So we, it's long been talked about in, in popular culture, the fact that we might be slipping into some sort of fascist society that we have reached a point where international corporations or business interests have, you know, co-opted our government to the point. But the thing about Moderna that's really weird is that they weren't like an established player either, you know, before all this. In fact, they were never anything. They never had a product. Like it was all this genetic research stuff, right? And what's really weird to me, because like in doing some research uh, afterwards, like there's a couple things. So the special itself, as you said, well, I, I can't really add much more to that than what you said, because I'm just agreeing with you. Like Glenn Beck has done an excellent job with specials like this in the past. He hit it out of the park with this one. I thought he got a little uh, kooky sounding uh, when he was just ad-libbing at certain parts and then getting like certain things mixed up you know, when he's like putting them in order, but nonetheless, like the, the meat and potatoes of the special itself delivered. Um, you had the part about Moderna and the government. You also had the shocking part about how they've tried to introduce, uh, the virus, uh, to bats again, and then bats will not take it. Uh, the bat, the, the, you can't infect bats with this. So what's up with that? (laughs) You know, that's a big one. Um, but then, I'm glad I'm really glad that he got into the the great reset stuff because you know when we look at you know the the plans for us and where this came from what I'm saying is, is that it wasn't Microsoft and the government that had this partnership it wasn't NBC Universal uh GE you know somebody like that or Boeing it wasn't the normal military industrial media complex players at hand here it was a collection of specialists that were into gene therapy. And when you talk about like radi- radical ideologues, um, you need not look any further than the World Economic Forum and people like Klaus Schwab right now. When, you, when you're talking about people that not only desire to have radical change in the world, um, whether it be the hierarchy of things, or rather it be who's in control of things, you're not going to find anybody that has more clout or pull in the, in governments around the world than the collection of evil creeps that are part of that legion. <laughs> and uh, one thing uh, before I move further with my thought here, I, I do hope that you mentioned the classic They Live. Uh, I witnessed a moment between Glenn Beck that, and Rand Paul that reminded me of uh, Star Wars A New Hope because it was basically Glenn Beck saying, help us, Rand Paul. You're our only hope. <laughs> Please look into this Moderna deal. Please look into this contract and tell us, please, if we're wrong. Like, you know, if if if, if the information gathered somehow leads to a different conclusion. I'm more than willing to accept that answer, but please, sir, look into this. Uh, so Rand, Rand Paul, he, he did say on the, uh, on the segment that I watched that he was going to get to it. Let's hope that he does. Um, because we're, we're heading into some scary territory right now. Like to talk about the, the continuing collapse, but also the con- 
the continuation of the COVID narrative is that as the facts of the matter come out, as history, as time itself proves us right, because when they say this is going to stop something and it doesn't, it's pretty easy to point out that it doesn't. Like it's it's hard to audit certain things like cause of death. I get that. Like Italy just had to do some readjustments recently, and you all should look into that too. It's pretty interesting to see what with where their numbers went. I'll, I'll I'll spoil it for you a little bit. They all went down, drastically down, like ninety percent down. So when you want to talk about manipulation here, uh, we have Pfizer. Uh, this is thanks to Majid Nawaz on Twitter. Uh, the Pfizer scandal update from our boy Alex Berenson, seeing that he has to have surrogates on Twitter put his stuff around because he's banned from Twitter for saying stuff that's perfectly true. Because that makes sense. But urgent, Pfizer failed to report six deaths of COVID vaccine recipients when it updated its clinical trials uh, results in July. So Berenson says, I am re-upping this piece and making it available for everyone in the widest and simplest form because it is too important to miss. The one paragraph summary, he says, Pfizer told the world 15 recipients of commodity had died in its pivotal trial. The real number was 21 compared to only 17 people who didn't get the shot. So that means that more people that were vaccinated died than unvaccinated died. So did it make it worse or did it just do nothing? And how are we to ever know? How are we ever to trust these companies or the CDC or the FDA, especially after this past week? How are we ever supposed to trust those people enough? Well, they only want to uh, hold everything until 2076 to fully release the vaccine trial data. I mean, that's not that long, right? Have you set your timer yet? Oh, yeah. Can we do a reasonable? (laughs) I got to find a countdown clock app (laughs) and start a (laughs) countdown clock to 2076. You know, so I can figure out what the side effects of my vaccine is going to be. And we've discussed why they don't do any television commercials for the vaccines, because legally they have to disclose side effects. And now yep. we're going to wait 55 years. So in the same breath where they tell you that you should put this poison in your children, 5 to 11 years old, teenagers who we know the propensity of myocarditis carditis goes up dramatically all these negative side effects terrible things happen in the people and you're not allowed to know what it actually does to people for 55 years guys wake up this is how you spread the information to people that are important to you this is how you give them simple objective facts and ask simple questions Don't you think it's weird that we can't know what it does to you for 55 years? We've talked about that before. It's the best way to to start this conversation as dialogue with somebody is ask them a simple question. It doesn't have to be pointed or aggressive or 
anything like that. And, and this is a perfect example. So, I mean, when you look at the combination of these things, you know, and again, we joked about, um, you know, the, the AG line in front of Congress. Well, we know we now know that um, Fauci is one of the biggest liars in the history of the world. He is a bald face, absolute bullshitting liar. Nothing that comes out of his mouth is the truth. And the fact that he shoots at people like Rand Paul and says, you don't know what you're talking about. That's a lie. It is blatant, blatant lies. And why this man even continues to walk free and knowing what we now know about what he's done throughout this entire scenario and who he is. This isn't even about the AZT. We talked about the Lord Fauci on the Lord Fauci episode, but this is a whole different level. Guys, it's proof out there. There is no take my word for it. There is no take Glenn Beck's word for it. It's documented. It's on contracts. It's in emails. We know what he did. We know he's a liar. We know he lied about funding the gain-of-function research. We know all of it now. We know the truth is they created this monster, and they talk about it being the Frankenstein virus. Well, Fauci may not directly be Dr. Frankenstein, but he's one of Dr. Frankenstein's confidants. They're, they're all part of the same party here on what they've done. That's why people like Rand Paul and, and Jim Jordan and Senator Kennedy and you know these guys asking these direct pointed questions. But what's frightening to me is all this is factual information why isn't anything happening? Why? Why aren't more people asking the questions? Why isn't anything happening when he lies to Congress or lies to senators? Why? We know he's lying. I mean, you have Steve Bannon who's being held in contempt, which is great because now he has an opportunity to execute discovery. So my opinion is he's okay with that because that's going to crack that situation wide open. But what's going to happen to him? Why is there no recourse for that? This guy's a monster. What he did is monstrous. The amount of people that died unnecessarily because of being put on ventilators, the amount of future health issues and being sterile, and what it's going to do to people physically and mentally, and, and now it's booster, 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 booster. Fauci came out and said, you got to get the boosters. So now we have eternal boosters where even though you got your vaccine and then you got your booster and you're two weeks out after that, you're never really vaccinated. We've already talked tonight about how it is not a vaccine because it does not prevent you from getting the disease, dying from the disease or spreading the disease. What we now know, in fact, is that you are much more likely to spread the disease if you are, in fact, vaccinated versus if you have natural immunity and natural antibodies because you got COVID and survived it, just like the other 99.99% of people that got it. This is some dark stuff, man. I mean, this is some really, really, really dark stuff, everybody. And, you know, watching that, I'll tell you this, it's so severe that you don't want to believe that because there's no way to rationalize it. So I'm, I think I'm a rel relatively intelligent person. 
And to sit there and watch that, even though I've always knew, even from the beginning, this isn't right. That, that there's a lot of things, that there's a lot of holes in this. This doesn't make any sense to me. To see that you don't want to believe that the United States government was complicit in designing. And I'm not saying they did, but potentially releasing this thing with a purpose and with a goal uh, to kill people, to hurt people, to destroy them financially, to have people lose their homes, lose family members unnecessarily. For what? For power? For control? More than we, more than they had already? That wasn't enough? And it's, it's evil. It's darkness. It's evil incarnate. That's what it is. And, and if anything, that's, that's what I recognized is there is no other reason for this. There's no other motivation except for pure evil. And I'll tell you this, you may not believe in God, but you should probably start because if anything, this fully verifies that there is pure evil in this world. And when you look at it and see what these people were capable of doing and what they executed here, both literally and figuratively, they executed a lot of people. A lot of people died. They didn't have to. And when you see that, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. You know, it's the red pill reference. It's the matrix. Take the blue pill. You're going to wake up tomorrow in your bed and everything will be as you knew it. You take the red pill, there's no going back. Well, I'll tell you this, you watch that special, there's no going back. There's no excuse and there's no justification that's great enough for you to be able to be understanding or rationalize that situation. For you to go, ah, oh, well, it's not that bad or I understand. You'd have to be a fucking psychopath to come to that conclusion after learning what you're going to learn from that and from that documentation. This is going to change your life. Now, those of you that are listening to us right now, I, this isn't for you. I'm not saying that to you. There's a reason you're listening to this. Something led you to this because you recognize things were wrong, because we're like-minded, because these things are important to you. But those people that are still living out there in, in utter ignorance that are getting their booster shots and vaccinating five-year-old children and um, understanding when they put grandma on a ventilator that the cocktail of drugs is going to kill her and it's going to lower her oxygen levels and it's going to put her in a very terrible situation. You may lose somebody you love and you know maybe you're one of those people or know somebody that lost a family member to it and they couldn't even go visit them in the hospital or have a funeral for them. Because they talked about the chance of spreading the disease or being on the body or social gatherings. But you're going to understand that everything as you knew it is not as you knew it. You were wrong. And the motivators for these people and for these powers that be are wrong. They're dark. They're evil. It's frightening. Because you'll never look at the world the same. Your, your they live glasses are on your face forever and you're not going to be able to take them off. Because then you're going to ask yourself the ultimate question. What else is bullshit? 
What else was concocted or fabricated? Can I believe anything anymore? Can I look at anything objectively anymore? Or do I always have to be biased of that's probably not true? It's not an easy life to live. It's a constant. It's me listening to the radio in my truck on my way home from work going, this Johnson & Johnson commercial is bullshit. It is trying to drive or direct people to take solace or comfort and the, the pharmaceutical company knows best for their children. They're otherwise healthy children that aren't going to get sick or die from COVID. Statistically, we know that's not going to happen. They're going to be okay. The flu is vastly more dangerous to them than COVID-19. So, this isn't going to be easy. It's not easy for you to share this with people. The act is easy. But you also have to prepare yourself for what's required next. It's because you're going to have to become a therapist and a psychologist and a support system and understanding that when people see this information, it's indisputable. Now, people will dispute that because that'll be their inclination. They're going to want to because they're not going to want to believe it. And we see that now. The majority of people just don't want to believe that. They don't want to believe that something like this could have been orchestrated or fabricated and then executed and took people out of work and killed people. They're not going to want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. I didn't want to believe that. I still don't want to believe that. But at this point, I know it to be true because I've seen the documentation, I've seen the information, and I've seen the timeline. Nothing is a coincidence, guys. It's not serendipitous. It didn't just so happen that the wrong person went in the wrong bat cave and or bought a bat from a wet market and, and ate some, you know, bat meatballs and just so happened that this this virus mutated and was now able to attack a, a human lung or a human immune system. When you learn about them taking mice and humanizing the lung tissue in the mice. And that's one of the ways that they accomplish this. It's a dark, dark place. And you have to prepare yourself to be a support system and to be able to talk to these people when you share that information. This information changes the world, changes the opinion on things, changes trust. You know, do I trust the government? No. But we have to a little bit, don't we? I mean, they're the ones that are the rulers and the establishers of the law. And most of our systems and, you know, the, they're the ones that created police departments and regulate fire departments and, you know, schools and, and everything that's important to us on a daily basis as far as going through our day. But it's going to be difficult, It's going to be difficult even though you want to and you need to, essentially. Because I I don't know what, you know, what is it? Is it constant anxiety? Is it constant depression? Is it constant frustration? Do you throw your hands in the air and go, fuck it, nothing matters? This is nothing that I see as real? I, I don't know. But I'll say this. What you see is what you get. Talk is cheap. And as we talked about in the Cal Rittenhouse trail tonight and trial and talk about all the other stuff and 
how it's the left doesn't have to have any substantiating evidence anymore. It's just this is what it is and take our word for it. And this is why this is best for you or you should believe this. Right. These are facts. This is factual documentation and information. So. You know, at the end of the day, God bless Glenn Beck. Because he's clearly sticking his neck out on the line, which he's done time and time again. You know, he is an anti-establishment guy. That's why he ended up, you know, creating his own news channel and website and shows and apps. And, you know, really has some really great conservative voices as part of the blaze, which I admire and I love. I love Crowder. I mean, to me, I highly recommend you guys watch Crowder um, when they announce the verdict of the trial. Because I got to tell you, um, about the next 20 minutes, uh, it was moving what he said and what he shared. Uh, it, I mean, it, it literally filled my heart hearing somebody say the things that he said. I mean, it, it's important. And, you know, obviously, Glenn Beck supports that. That's why he has that him on the blaze. So, you know, I'm not trying to sound depressing, um, but this, this hits home for everybody. Nobody's excused from this except for Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi, who, you know, do as I say, but not as I do. You know, the, the elite that are above all of this and were complicit in all of this, to be very frank with you. But this affects everybody because we've all been impacted, whether directly or indirectly, whether it's something as simple as the ability to fly somewhere and go on a vacation, even if somebody didn't have their income impacted or didn't lose a family member. But this matters to everybody. And I'm not just talking about everybody in the United States. I'm talking about everybody on the planet Earth. This matters, guys. This really matters. So I highly recommend that you dedicate some time to watch it. And don't watch it half-assed. Don't watch it while you're cooking dinner or you're staring at your phone. Genuinely watch this thing. Take some notes. Understand and learn. And to me... The positive that comes out of this is there's no time more important for us to stand together and fight against these mandates. We can't become Austria where you're going to be fined. And if you can't pay the fine, you'll be in prison. Austria is going on their third lockdown, 10 days. Everybody's locked back in their house again for the third freaking time, man. And we have to stand against that. And because of the United States Constitution, we have a better chance at standing against that than any other country on the planet Earth. And we can't take that for granted because that document, that supreme, ultimate, amazing document that gives us our inalienable, alienable rights matters. And we have to hold on to it for dear life and we have to utilize it and we have to do that right now. So if your place of employment is mandating vaccinations, you know, a friend of mine, his wife got a fiance rather got a got a job. That's her dream job. She wasn't vaccinated. She didn't want to be vaccinated. She didn't believe in it. So she gets this an absolutely incredible opportunity to get this really great paying job with a killer schedule and benefits and her whole life. She just wanted that. And she gets picked out of a, a ridiculous amount of candidates. She's the one. And the last thing that they told her when they called to offer her position is that it was contingent on being vaccinated. And you know what she did? She got it. She said, well, this is a great job. I have to do it. 
And instead of her going, well, no, I'm not going to break my beliefs or go against what I know is right and wrong in my heart or, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice potentially my health and, you know, and, and put myself in a situation where I can now have negative side effects or lifetime ongoing health issues because of it. She gave into that social pressure. Don't do that because you don't have to do that. And we have to stand together on this. We have to stand arm in arm, linked strong. I know sometimes it feels like David versus Goliath. But here's the thing. If it's David versus Goliath, but David brings an army of 20,000 people behind him, Goliath doesn't stand a chance. Folks, there is a hell of a lot more people that live in the United States than are employed by the government of the United States. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Their numbers are minuscule compared to ours. So we have to stand together. We have to have those conversations. You need to send people the link to the special. And they are going to get upset about it. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to go, what the fuck? I already got my vaccination. I wish I wouldn't have. There's a lot of things that are going to come out of that. Help them navigate it. You know, that's been my effort this whole time is help the people around me navigate this thing and um, be a source of information. And then more importantly, a source of support and to have their back because it matters now more than it's ever mattered in the history of our lives. And to be very candid with you, when you understand the scope of this, it's not just about our lives. It is more important now than it has ever been in the history of the world. We are living in the most critical moment that has ever existed on the planet Earth. Even with world wars and Vietnam and, and the Holocaust and all of these things. Now is more important because if we don't do something now and we don't stand together, how much worse this can get is terrifying. Talk a lot about being parents. If you have children or you have grandchildren, this matters now more than any moment in your entire life. You have an obligation. You have an obligation to your country, your constitution, and your fellow Americans and fellow patriots, you have an obligation as a brother, a sister, a friend, a mother, father, a co-worker. You have a massive obligation, more than any that you've ever had ever. Don't take that lightly and don't hope that it's going to go away or hope that it'll get worked out. Hope is not a strategy. It's not. We can't do this and we can't base this on hope, right? It's faith. Faith is that truly believing in the unknown. And truly believing that you can accomplish something without fail, without fail. And that's what everybody needs now more than ever is strength and faith and in community. So, and I know I carried on a little bit there, guys, but, you know, in, in understanding really what this thing is, again, there's nothing in your lifetime that's been more important than this. It's not a job. It's not a relationship. It's nothing. Nothing will ever take precedent over the importance of this time right now and as i've said before if not you who and if not now when well, there's no choice on this there's no a or b it's you and it's now and do not take that lightly well i'm glad that uh i'm glad that you got to share that with everybody out there in our audience because i, I really feel that right now is one of the most important times in American history because this is going to affect what type of life 
generations after us are going to be living, if they're going to be still holding to uh, the values that were around in the founding of this country and its documents with our, our inherent rights and freedoms, if they're going to be the, the values that we hold dear in our society now, or if they're going to be something more bleak, more dark, more sinister in the future, maybe. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that I included to help wrap up the rest of this uh, thought for you all out there. But just to briefly go through it. So what the Glenn Beck special exposed to me is that what has been talked about for a long time as far as a system of control or security state or surveillance state um, seems to be all coalescing right now in a strange way that you know a biomedical security state a surveillance state that has access to everything a, a greater security state that the public outcry uh, for and it's based on a thing called Hegelian dialectic where basically you you create a problem, you foment the reaction to that problem, and then you provide the solution to that problem. And to sort of wrap this week up, I'm going to leave a bunch of this other stuff I have here on tabs. I still have tabs after tabs to talk to you guys about, but to do this in a timely manner, though, um, what I wanted to get out of my system is an article that I pulled from many years ago from CNBC, of all places. And it's under their investing section, too. Uh, the title of the article is Goldman Sachs Asks in Biotech Research Report, Is Curing Patients a Sustainable Business Model? And this was published April 11th of 2018 by Take Him. And his name is at first adopter too on Twitter, I think. Uh, that's kind of funny. First adopter. Well, what are we adopting? Goldman Sachs analysts attempted to address a touchy subject for biotech companies, especially those involved in the pioneering gene therapy treatment. Cures could be bad for business in the long run. Is curing patients a sustainable business model? Analysts ask in an April 10th report entitled The Genome Revolution. The potential to deliver one-shot cures is one of the most attractive aspects of gene therapy. Genetically engineered cell therapy and gene editing. However, such treatments offer a very different outlook with regard to recurring revenue versus chronic therapies. Analyst Salvine Richter wrote in the note to clients Tuesday, while this proposition carries tremendous value for patients and society, it could represent a challenge for genome medicine developers looking for sustained cash flow. My thesis to you all is that if you look at what has been presented by the pharmaceutical companies themselves, 
like I've looked at the paperwork that's given to people that are that have gotten the vaccine under emergency use authorization, different versions of it, nonetheless, from different times. The claims that they make on there, they do so very carefully and in a way where they legally can't be held liable for what they claim on there. So anything claimed on that paperwork is rather vague enough where they can get away with it, or it's something where they're they're basically telling you that they don't really have a lot of info on it, and you're just kind of taking a gamble. Now that I can, I can somewhat get with, right? But the pitchmen involved in all of this were people from the CDC, the FDA, and people in our government and in our media. And they took this genetic therapy and they spun it into a vaccine and sold it to all of us. And all the different promises that they told us about this restoring our normal life by giving us uh, a type of uh, sanitizing immunity. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prevent transmission. It doesn't do anything like that. In fact, it may not do anything good at all. It might actually cause some harm. But I do know that if there is some sort of evil pact between Moderna and our government, that the government are the ones that are the pitchmen. They're the ones that are pitching heat to all of us, that are, that are really selling us out. But that I'm gonna have to wrap there just to keep this within uh, within the t- a good time for us, John Henry. But was there anything that you wanted to say to our audience before we signed off? Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, appreciate that you are doing your due diligence and and care enough to listen to conversations like this one. Um, guys, again, you know, there's positives in this, and I know that this is uh, you know it's it's a pretty somber ending to it. Um, and, and I get it because, again, we don't we don't want that to be our reality, but it is. And we have to recognize that we can't live in ignorance anymore. So let's celebrate our wins. There's a lot of positives that came out of um, this last couple of weeks. And um, last but not least, Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard, uh, Mr. Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be interviewed on Tucker Carlson. So I'm pretty excited about that. Looking forward to seeing him. Hopefully his mom's on there, too. And uh, good stuff. So, guys, we appreciate you being out here. Um, Stay strong. I love you. Keep the faith, man. Appreciate you guys. Maybe next week we could do a little review of that interview because I'm definitely going to be catching that one. Uh, But I meant to say sterilizing immunity there. Just to post a little correction there. It's not sanitizing. It's uh, sterilizing immunity. But, yes, I I still uh, stand firm on that, that uh, these vaccines are bullshit. But uh, we're going to be signing off for this week. I am number six. And um, until we meet again, and until we are free, we are the New Prisoners. Thank you for listening to The New Prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topic on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on Odyssey and Rumble. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us. Please feel free to share your own sources with us and to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. And if you would like to be a guest on an upcoming show, 
please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Tell us what topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can choose to appear anonymously if you like. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.